Hello everyone, welcome to episode number 140 of the Classic Gaming Podcast. Today's date is February 4th, 2020. I'm Robert Ring, and with me is Mr. Jay Totoro. How's it, go- How's it going, Jay bro? Hello, sir. Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm just getting over whatever plague hit the whole United States, it sounds like. Um, just trying to stay alive. How about you? Um, I caught a virus. I was telling you about it. My whole family did, and we have been we were sick for like... My wife was sick for sick for like just about a week. My daughter and I were sick for four or five days. It sucked. It's crazy. It's it's just been it's been absolutely not so many people I know have been sick. I feel like more people I know have been sick than the opposite in the last like ten days. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, crazy. How about besides that? You doing good? <laughs> you doing good? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. What, what are you laughing about? It's like oh, everything in your life has been terrible. But besides that. Yeah, I mean, I've just been resting a lot, um, watching a lot of streams, and I watched, um, what did I watch recently? I watched a lot of, oh, we'll talk about that in a few minutes, but uh, yeah, i just been watching a lot of streams when I was down. Uh, I started watching Seinfeld from Start Again, which is always such a, I I love Seinfeld. I've always had a real special place in my heart, and it's still so funny. Like, God damn, they were so intelligent. I need to go through, like, I've seen plenty of episodes of it, but I've never seriously watched like a whole lot of it. it it's no different. Like in all seriousness, like there's some sort of like story, but it's so interesting to see how they originally tried to develop the characters and what they were doing in terms of careers and stuff and what they ultimately turned out to be. It You can see them testing different things to feel out how they want to develop each of the characters, but it's, it's just such a good show. You can just watch it in any order. And I don't think it matters. Right. Some of the early episodes are a little bit rough at times. Like there's a couple like eh, type moments, but for the most part, it's been, been enjoyable. Uh, I told you, I was telling you how I had to do a pill cam. Oh, yeah. For this mystery, uh, insanely horrific stomach pains that I get sometimes. Uh, nobody knows what's going on. So I did a pill cam last week where it's literally you, it's a little camera the size of a pill. You swallow it, it goes through your system and they look so they can like see everything, you know, stuff that they can't see through normal like sure. endoscopy or colonoscopy, stuff like that. And, uh, <laughs> and you asked, um, do I, did I have to return it w- once it yep. was over? And no, I do not is the answer to that. But I was, <laughs> I was looking at the, um, they gave me like this little thing to take home uh, and it just had like very basic instructions. Like, I don't know, don't do this and that. Like, it had like what time I'm allowed to start eating again that day, because you have to like, you have to prep for it as if you're getting a colonoscopy or something like that. So mm-hmm. your body is just empty. And like, so it had the times like, okay, you can start drinking water again at this time. It was like a couple hours after I took the little camera pill. And then it's like, and then later on, you know, four hours later, you can start drinking, uh, you know, you have to still stick to liquids, but then you can drink like non-clear liquids, like just basic stuff like that. And, um, <laughs> there is a little set of like things like not to do. One of them, one of them said, uh, do not swallow the capsule after it has passed in the stool. Oh no. <laughs> I mean, they had to put it in there because somebody probably did that. Yep. That's. How the, that's what, how the saying goes. Uh, I'm afraid. <laughs> Oof. I like just could not stop laughing when I read that, and then I went and showed my daughter, and she, of course, thought it was the funniest thing, hands down, that has ever that's been funny. written. Uh, but yeah, everything's going going good here, and so why don't we? What should we do next? 
Talk about news, I would think. Okay. Okay. Um, let's get a couple of the smaller things out of the way. Sure. Uh, Wasteland Remastered is coming out February 25th. It's going to be on the Windows Store, Steam, GOG, and Xbox One, uh, and including Xbox Game Pass. Uh, according to Gematsu, <clears throat> uh, there may be a re-release of Mortal Kombat 1 through 3 with online capability. There was supposed to, uh, supposedly a while back, and I don't really remember this, but there was going to be a Mortal Kombat collection online. Uh, and then it got canceled or, you know, like indefinitely delayed or whatever. I don't remember ever hearing about that, but apparently... That was something that they were working on at one point. Uh, but now, um, according to uh, Gematsu, they say the Pan-European Game Information Board has rated Mortal Kombat Collection Online for PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. So, we may get a uh, re-release of these of the original Mor- three Mortal Kombat games coming cool. out eventually, uh, after all. Um, for the next two months... Every Half-Life game is free on Steam. Probably. I didn't lead- know you about this. Oh, obviously hype for their new game. Yeah, the uh, I think it's is it Half-Life Alex? Is that what it is? I, I forget what, the name of it. Yeah. I think that's what it's called. Um. So that is. So if you haven't played Half-Life games, go go try. And, now's the time. Go ahead and do it. At least you gotta oh, play the original. Play those. Yeah. <laughs> um. And then. So those are the those are the little things. Why don't you, you've got one more, you've got two more things. One of them, I know what it is. Let's go ahead and lead into that one, I guess. Um, so we get, so you know more about this than I do, but I've been keeping up with it somewhat. So Warcraft three reforged came out. It is, uh, the supposedly (laughs) remastered edition of Warcraft three. And Jay, why don't you take it from there? Sure. Um, so yeah, the the memes are unless Robert and I have like a little chat that we have. So uh, for those of you, for those of you who haven't heard yet, which is funny because as I got, I got to talk about, I've been sick over the last few weeks, and one of the first days when I was still like very feverish uh, and pretty delusional, they released it, and the reception was almost instantaneously bad. It was it, it was just atrocious. So I'm like pretty pumped because I'm like, well, I can't play. But I can at least watch other people play. And for those who don't know Grubby, uh, Grubby is considered to be one of the, if not most competitive players um, in the late 2000s in uh, Warcraft 3 history. And so I was watching him and a few other people play. And right off the bat, multiplayer wasn't working. Um, so the servers <laughs> weren't set up for whatever reason. People couldn't play multiplayer. They couldn't play uh, versus, so you couldn't queue online to play against anybody. Uh, you couldn't create custom maps and people couldn't join them. They fixed those two issues pretty quick. But then the queue system had no MMR to it. So you could go from playing oh, no. me to playing a pro player to playing me to playing a pro player with no difference, no matter if you won or lost. So the MMR wasn't working almost immediately. So those things were like, okay, it's day one. Multiplayer is not working. Not that big a deal. But then people were trying to play the campaign and the campaign wasn't working. Oh, sh- I didn't hear about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so this also lasted a very short amount of time. They patched this within the first day. But well, it what was, was working? Uh, nothing at first. At first, it was absolutely nothing was working. And the crazy part was, is like it was telling people in, in order to play the campaign, you have to be connected to the internet because you have to be connected to the BattleNet BattleNet downloader. So the, the second that Reforged came out, the original Warcraft was disabled, so you couldn't even go back and play the original Warcraft, even if you owned it, mm-hmm. unless you yeah. had the physical copies of it, which is just obscene. So 
take all that into consideration. They fixed some of that uh, within the first day. And then the days afterwards, more issues started to come up. Um, there were there are certain audio files that are still missing uh, as of like yesterday, the day before. Uh, one of the most notable ones is like certain sound effects are, are missing. Like I know the, the Demon Hunter hero, his attack sound doesn't work. So he just swings and it makes no sound at all. Um, I know that some of the sound files are working. They did update some of the sound files from what I heard because for whatever reason, they they changed some of the cutscenes. Um, so they changed the cutscenes. There were certain dialogue that was changed. So they used new uh, voice lines for them. Apparently those weren't working very well. And they also sounded really uh, different in comparison to the original sound files that they were using for majority of it. So And looked different from what they showed. Yep. <laughs> yeah, sure so they sure adjusted some of... Yeah, so they adjusted some of the more no more notable cutscenes. Um, there are some pretty impactful cutscenes. I'm not going to spoil anything for anybody who doesn't play it because even now I watch somebody play through it and it was still just a an amazing story. So I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but there are some key cutscenes that people always really look forward to when they do their playthroughs, and they adjusted it for whatever reason. They decided to change not only the visuals but some of the lines and some of the voice actors that went with it, which was really bad. Um, so take all of that in consideration. And then there are some really serious critical issues with the game. I know that that's crazy to say, but those issues are not as impactful as some of the things that I've seen. Uh, one of the things that I've seen when people are playing is when they create a unit. So like, let's say you have a structure, that structure produces units. When the unit's complete, uh, the unit does not get produced outside of the building. It gets produced inside of the building. And you don't know that the unit's produced until you physically highlight the building and hopefully don't select the building, but select the unit inside of it and oh then gosh. move it outside of it. Yeah. Uh, to my knowledge, a lot of the issues that I'm listing off have not been fixed. They did do some patches pretty quickly, but very quickly, Blizzard did two things. The same thing that they always do. Uh, they hushed the forums. So they started yep. deleting threads almost immediately. Uh, they were banning people and muting people who were creating more threads complaining about the issues. They immediately started to put walls up around refunding it because obviously immediately once people realized how much of a dog shit product it was, people immediately started, to, started requesting refunds. Um, and they have done everything in their power to stop people from refunding this game, which is crazy. So uh, it's an absolute dumpster fire. I haven't purchased it. I'm not going to because um, it's just Blizzard just doing what they've done in the last couple of years, which is money grabbing. Um, they're not even trying at this point, it seems like. It seems like they're just like... It, it, the worst part was is the release date that was still listed on their website as of like a month and a half ago was summer of 2019. It is <laughs> February. <laughs> so, so they're eight months late, seven months late, and it still has this many critical issues. It was just like, it was brutal. So uh, fast forward five days after release, my brother and I were trying to figure by, out. By the way, just we're... real quick, for the record, you they, they are doing refunds now, and they have uh, auto refund set up. Uh, so, it's crazy that so it you took can, that long. Yeah, so you can um, turn it off. get it without actually having to talk to somebody. Yeah, yeah it is, it's it's, it's insane that they, that they turn it off, but thankfully they... At least on that front, came to their senses, and you can you can refund it now. Yeah, so uh, five days later, uh, like the, towards the weekend after it came out, my brother and I were considering on purchasing it because we had looked and seen that a number of the issues had quote unquote been resolved. And then I went and watched Grubby stream, who has been playing it all week. He was doing like he was doing a promotional thing for Blizzard. He was basically playing through the entire campaign and streaming it to help promote the product. And he, I, I highly recommend people to. Tr to youtube it or google it like his review of the game oh man it is a it is a real hard thing to hear so this is a guy who has probably spent 
uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours. He's been playing nonstop for the last like five years and still streaming it. This is a guy who's, who spent like an obscene amount of time, dedication, was a pro player, absolutely loves the story, loves the lore. And this is somebody who is just completely disappointed with the product to a point where he can't even like have a straight face when he talks about it. He does a, a pretty good review of all the issues that he's run into and how disappointed he is with the product. But the second I saw him do that, somebody who is supposed to be an advocate on this product, I was like, yeah, I'm not buying this. Right. Like It, it, it was just absolutely brutal. So uh, I think that's that's about everything. Well, at uh, least they didn't... At least they didn't do anything weird with the end-user license agreement, right? Oh, oh, God. What? Why? What happened? No, I just like don't like just don't put that into the air. No, you had you hadn't heard about that. I don't think so. Can uh, you they changed the they changed the language there so that um, anything you make as far as custom maps and custom games and anything like that goes. You, oh yeah, I did hear about this. Yeah, you uh, are giving them the, the rights per- the rights to that forever. So, yeah. for instance, um, if so, the reason they did this was because of Dota. Yep. The person, the or well, the people who made uh, Dota, they originally made it as a custom Warcraft three game, and then they ob- and they and then they went on to make tons of money on the Dota franchise. And basically, Blizzard is mad that they didn't get any of that money. So now, anything that you make belongs to them forever. Yeah, and nobody's going to do that now. So and it's sure. like an entire paragraph detailing just how fully they own everything that you make. And it's like, even if you live in a country where this isn't enforceable, it's like, then you're then you're giving us a perpetual license to use it forever. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I did see on. that. Apparently they did it on the original one too. So if you do use the original one now, um, it's still it's not still surprised. It, it's it's crazy. Like they they have done nothing right in I can't even tell how many years it's been between the China controversy with the Hearthstone yep. player to the to the WoW Classic dumpster fire to the shit going on with Overwatch to the wait, wait what happened with WoW Classic? I thought that was WoW Classic was just no WoW those Classic, people liked the, it didn't they? The, Eh, it, there's there was a lot of ongoing issues with it, especially in the first like subway. I was in queue. Don't you remember this? I had to sit in queue for like five hours every night. Well, that was just because it was so full, though. Right, but they did. They, they literally said like they they knew this issue was going to happen, and they did nothing to fix it. They allowed a ridiculous number of people to reserve server spots and characters and names on these servers <laughs> with no intention. They didn't put a cap on it until it was way too late. Like they said the server could support like 6,000 people and there were like 20,000 people registered. <laughs> they, they didn't put a cap on it until 20,000. Okay. So for the first, for the first like couple months, I, I, I mean, I still think it's bad now. I, I don't even know for sure, but for the first like few months you had to, I had to remote desktop to my computer in order to get in queue. Because the queue was yeah, like I, remember, I do remember that. Yeah. So yeah, it, there there were some other big issues, but I mean, it was just Blizzard being like, "Hey guys, there's going to be a problem. Uh, we're not going <laughs> to do anything to fix it. We want the community to fix it. Uh, we hope you guys are smart enough to fix it. Oh, <laughs> look what happened. Why didn't you guys do something about it? It's like you, you have the authority here. Like all you have to do is put a server cap. Like that that that's that was the response in a nutshell. And then after it happened, like the first couple of days, they were like, "What did you expect, guys? We warned you." And it's like. <laughs> Like, like that's insane. Like that just that's just completely asinine to me. <laughs> um, it's like giving a child a knife, and you're like, I, I told you not to hurt yourself. Like, <laughs> of course, all these people are gonna subscribe to one fucking server. 
Um, I, I'm not sure. I, I, you may have mentioned this, but I'm not sure. But the, a lot of people are also upset because the, uh, the, the cinematics that they showed off, I guess at BlizzCon are nothing like what they ended up looking like in game. And I think maybe some of the graphics as well. That's what I heard. I, I can't speak to that. Cause I, uh, I didn't see it personally, but I right. did hear that. Uh, and yeah. they did issue a quote apology. <laughs> Yeah. The first sentence says, "We want to say we're sorry to those of you who didn't have the experience you wanted." <laughs> it's, it's like, it, it, no, it, your expectations were wrong. Not we didn't do anything. You guys, if you had the wrong expectations, we're sorry that you didn't think about this correctly. It, it, what's crazy to me is, is I was talking about this the days after um, the release of it. It's like. The number of they have no IPs left. That's it. They have they have they have ruined everything. They have literally ruined every IP that they own, <laughs> and they have. I'm serious. Like they I have know, nothing it's true. left. Like uh, I was, I'm gonna pull up the list here real quick. So you got WoW, which WoW retail can go fuck itself. WoW Classic <laughs> is kind of a flop product at this point. Diablo is a dying breed. It's, Path of Exile does a much better job for free, without question. StarCraft is dead, even though they're still trying to revive it for some fucking reason. I love watching StarCraft, even to this day, but it's a it's a dying breed. Yeah, it's dead. Hearthstone is Hearthstone. They they did two things wrong. Hearthstone sucks. First of all, second of all, they are trying to do their own um, auto battler in in Hearthstone, and it's atrocious. It's like the oh, laziest. You told me. Yeah, it's like the laziest, like, hey, we're doing an a, a auto battler just like everybody else type thing. Uh, you have Overwatch, which they, I believe they canceled their, they're canceling or they have canceled their pro scene, if I'm not mistaken. Heroes of the Storm, they're no longer supporting. Uh, Warcraft, we already talked about. And then they have their two Activision products. Like, it's crazy to me that they have, in the last two to three years, have murdered their entire list of IPs. Not only their IPs, but their their own brand image. Yeah, like the reputation. Yeah, the reputation. Um, like seriously, yeah, like the I they release, nobody's gonna care. I'm done with Blizzard. Uh, like yeah. I, I was already. Right yeah, I was already done after the China fiasco. But then this like made this this reaffirms that I made the right decision. <laughs> you yeah, know, it's crazy. It's and what's funny too is is they had like I feel like it was the most obvious pathway ever. It was. Release Warcraft 3 Reforged, do a damn good job a year ago. Let that hype everybody into WoW Classic, right? Because what Warcraft 3, the lore, literally goes into WoW Classic. <laughs> so you have this amazing pathway where it gets everybody hyped, everybody's super excited to see how Blizzard took Warcraft and transitioned it or transcribed it into an MMO. How exciting is that? And they released it seven months too late. They released a dog shit product after they had a failed launch of Classic. It's just like they literally like it, it, it's it's almost like they put together a list of like here's the best thing we can do here's the worst thing we can do <laughs> yeah let's turn the let's turn it down three notches and that's where we're gonna sit it and is that's what we're gonna do it is kind of astounding how magnificently they have fucked everything up yeah they have done no good like that that's the crazy thing and even the things that they try to do good like their charity work where they create products and sell them there's always some scheme going on or something <laughs> weird going on or part of the donation goes back to the company like there's always these really weird right. things that's just been happening and it's just like can you guys stop like just stop just just go back to the the good old days but there's nobody it, it no, we don't need to talk. We we talk about this a lot, but yeah, the I, good I'm old right days are are gone. I was obsessed with Warcraft three when it first came out. I it is probably the closest I've been to being addicted to a video game. And then obviously, <clears throat> you and I both loved Starcraft two as yeah. well. 
uh, extremely like that's maybe the second closest I've been to being addicted to a video game. And then obviously you have been a huge WoW fan, but yep. uh, like at this point, I can confidently say just just fuck off. We're, we're what's funny is they're making some pretty good strides with StarCraft. Too right now they're making some pretty good, good changes but nobody cares no like if, if you know what i mean like nobody plays it uh, when i log on usually there's like six thousand people in battle net playing starcraft it, it's it's just the rts's are in this transitionary period and nobody is doing it right yet and blizzard is fuck all gonna be the company that does it it's just crazy to me that oh it's, it's just so disappointing like I, I feel like riot games the company makes league of legends is gonna make an rts I'd be more confident in their abilities to make a better RTS than Blizzard, which is insane because for 20 <laughs> years plus they have been making RTSs since like ninety fucking nine. Yeah, they've making RTSs, and I have no faith in their abilities. No faith. No, it's crazy. N- not at all. I agree. It is crazy. It's freaking crazy. It's so sad. Very, and it really is. Yeah, it sucks. But I mean, it, yeah, it sucks. But at the same time, I'm I'm over it. I'm over Blizzard. Uh, hey, Jay. Yeah. Hi. You want to come on? Why don't you come over to uh, Final Fantasy fourteen then? I actually have strongly considered it. I'm, I might either do that or Guild oh, Wars fuck. two. Uh, the do Final guy, Fantasy. one of the main developers for Guild Wars two, did a really, really powerful post this week, and it made me interested in playing it again. Cause I already have it. And I don't have to pay for anything. I, I, I'm, I'll consider it in the, in the future. I'm like torn right now. I don't know if I want to invest myself into a um, MMO right now because I just have a lot of real life stuff going on. But um, at a certain point, I'm probably going to jump into something. Well, I'm on the Cactuar server, so uh, okay, come right along. I'll hit you up. You know me. Oh yeah. Uh, one last news item. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, Evil Geniuses is back. They, um, I don't know if you know this, but they kind of faded away for a while. There was some. They got devoured, or they got moved around into a couple different organizations. But a new CEO stepped out. And she did a live interview talking about like what they're like trying to make it like super evil again. Like that's the whole idea is like okay. evil, evil, evil. Uh, but it seems like a pretty decent company. Uh, the new CEO I've never really? heard of her before. Yeah, it, it, you should read about it. I'd, I'd recommend. It. I thought you'd want to hear about it. But yeah. I watched a pretty lengthy interview with with the new CEO, and she seems pretty pretty reasonable. She seems pretty I'm cool. Looking it up because uh, they have they bought one of the franchise League of Legends spots. That's the reason why I know this. And I watched some interviews with her, and she seems pretty interesting. So that's awesome. Are they? Did they ever entirely go away? I feel like they were still doing like little things here and there, or were they completely out for a little bit? It sounds like whatever EG was doing for a while was just kind of stale, I guess. Uh, but it sounds like she bought the company and she's trying to do some new stuff with it. So more power to her. I mean, it's kind of interesting to see it come back. I, it's just yeah. funny because like whenever she's on camera, she's like trying to promote this evil thing, and all of her players keep talking about this evil thing, and it's it's. It's kind of bizarre. Is it um, like they're kind of playing too hard into the evil? Kind of. It God. sounds like a little bit, but okay. like, I don't know. I don't know. Cool. I haven't seen enough of it. It's only been a couple weeks, but um, I just like be interested to hear that. Well, uh, you know, like when we used to write for them, uh, that was sort of more of a, like the evil aspect of everything. That was that wasn't really a thing that they were like, Oh, we're so evil. It was like, yeah, they kind of acted it, but they never were out. They were never like, Oh, everybody look how evil we are. It's like, they did, they yeah. kind of, they kind of did do evil stuff. Like not genuinely, but like a lot of their players, like would just like act like, like dicks to people and stuff like that. Like in a mostly not like egregious way. 
but they would act like cocky and things like that. So it was like they sort of embodied the evilness, but they didn't have to. It was like they didn't have to be out there and be like, oh, hey, guys, we're so evil. <laughs> yeah, I, I do remember them being like, I remember uh, this is very cringy to say, it, but like they were kind of like the bad boys. Yeah, back in the prime of StarCraft <laughs> yeah. too, it was like you know what I'm talking about. There were certain players that had that persona that, right. that they sort of promoted, and yeah, which is really cringy to say. But yeah, um, it is. It, it wasn't as cringy as it sounds when you say it. Though, no, at the time. it was really hype at the time. That's like that's the sad <laughs> thing. <It was> really <laughs> hype. <laughs> uh. All right. Well, that's good to know. I hope they do well. I do too. I mean, as long as I don't do any shady shit. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Jay, let's talk about the games we've been playing. And also, as a quick uh, aside to the listeners, we just took a, a little quick break. And it, I was checking out the audio in the meantime. And apparently, I'm a hundred times louder than Jay is at the moment. As so, always. And also, I'm having some issues with the recording where I can't get us onto two separate tracks for some reason. So, some of, I apologize if some of that previous uh, stuff sounded a little bit wonky as far as the volume levels go. But... I think I might have it ironed out somewhat moving forward. So, uh, who wants to go first on the games we've been playing? I'm down for whatever. Uh, I'm probably going to go pretty long. So it's you think you. so? Uh, okay, maybe maybe I'll start then, and uh, okay. and then you can and then you can pick it up. I've got two games. Okay. My first one is Shining Force. This is a strategy RPG, game. huh? I know this game. Yeah. It's a strategy RPG for the Sega Genesis. Came out in 1992. And it's, it's typical, you know, f- uh, fantasy RPG setting. Um, I've Also typical fantasy RPG story. Somebody's basically trying to take over the world and you're leading a group of guys fighting the bad guys. Of pretty much, yeah, the, the story pretty much has you going from town to town, encountering bad guys along the way sometimes in towns sometimes between towns and uh you fight them and it goes into again like a tactical rpg fight very uh it feels a lot like fire like fire emblem uh just that you know basic grid based you know strategy rpg style um the main difference between this and fire emblem is when you attack somebody they don't attack back on that turn you know what i'm talking about like if you attack somebody in Fire Emblem, yeah. then they also get a chance to hit you back. But that's not the case here. If you attack somebody, that's your turn. You're just attacking them. And then, you know, if they want to attack you, they just do that on their turn. Okay. So uh, so that's the game. You are going from town to town trying to save the world. You're talking to people to move the story forward. You know, typical RPG type stuff. You're buying fairly limited gear along the way to upgrade your characters. Uh, there's really not a much variety or even much, as, as far as I got at least, much advancement in the gear you can get. You can buy better gear, but it's like, oh, you can buy this this sword that's better, and that's basically it. Or this axe, and whatnot. And there's not even any armor. So that's, again, fairly limited. Um, when you go to towns, you find, you know, when you're talking to characters and doing things around town, you'll occasionally find characters who will join your group. And you can miss these characters, by the way. So you're finding characters who, who will join. And eventually you get to a point where you're kind of maxed out on characters. And you can keep recruiting people, but you just can't have everybody in a battle at once. So you get to a point where you, where you start having to choose who you want to be basically in your lineup for, uh, for the battles. 
And that's pretty much the game. Just kind of repeat all that. Go go to town, talk to people, maybe recruit one or two guys, do a battle. Go to town, talk to people, recruit one or two guys, buy some gear, maybe buy some uh, some healing stuff, and go to battle. You also kind of have uh, sort of like almost kind of Swicken style. You have a base where all your where all your people stay, uh, and and it's funny because every time you go to a different town, it's like you automatically have a base there somehow, and uh, that's just where you go, and you can like. There's a couple of very minor things you can do there, but that's but the main thing is that's where you go to uh, reorganize who you want to you know be with you on on the next battle, that kind of stuff. Uh, as far as the battles go, that's obviously the main part of the game. It's a as I said, it's a typical grid based uh, strategy RPG. Um, when you move in and attack somebody, also like Fire Emblem, it goes into a like a little scene where it kind of like. You know, it's not just you looking at animates the... animates the fight. Yeah, it animates the fight. Yeah. It, just, it just shows your guy swinging his sword, basically, or doing whatever it is that yeah, he's Advance doing. Yeah, Advance Wars does the same thing. Right, yeah, exactly. Just just like that. Um, you've got... Uh, obviously, you've got, like, a basic warrior class. You, that, they can have a sword or an axe. Uh, and then there are a couple slight variants on that. Like, there's a wolf man that you get at one point. He just attacks things with his claw. He's super powerful. Uh, there's a centaur class and they are they they have better movement uh range and they can also wield a throwable spear as one of their they have like two types of weapons they can wield one of them is basically a uh, like a lance and the other one is a spear that they can attack uh from like directly adjacent or they can throw it with with one extra tile of range you've got the archer who just has a little bit of range but it's weak you have the mage who also has a little bit of range, but is weak. Well, I'm sorry, not his attacks aren't weak. His attacks are pretty strong, but you know he can't take much damage. Same with the mage; they do more damage than than the archers, but they, you know, they're they're limited by their MP. You have healers who do the obvious, and then you have birdmen who have completely free movement on the map. You can move them to any tile. You know, it doesn't matter if there's a wall there or whatever. Um, there, there are also terrain effects. So, so some terrain is tougher and some terrain is tougher for specific classes. So if you're walking, you know, through the woods and you're the, you're this, this or that guy, he might, his movement range will, might be, you know, drastically diminished. None of that affects the bird man. They go wherever they want. So, and then those are the only ones I saw. I got about probably halfway through halfway or maybe not quite halfway through the game. I probably put... I wouldn't be surprised if I put eight to 10 hours into it. Um, and so, you know, obviously what you're doing is you're, you're moving your guys around, you move them next to somebody, attack them. And you're just trying to kill all of the bad guys before they kill you. Um, they get, you get XP when you, when you attack somebody, uh, if, if they miss, it is possible to miss your attack. If they miss, then the character only gets one XP. And then if they, you know, do damage, then they get, you know, a pretty good amount of XP. And then if they kill somebody, then they get even more XP. So that's basically how that works. You level up, you get your stats raised. And uh, there's there's no class, there's, well, you can eventually promote people to other classes, but there's no, like, selecting, oh, I'm going to, you know, get this ability or level that set. It's like, okay, you're, you leveled up, his HP goes up a point. His strength goes up a point, and and so on and so forth. That kind, that kind of you know pretty basic leveling system. Okay. Um, some of the battles are pretty challenging, and if the main character dies, then you have to start over. So it doesn't 
really matter if how good you're doing as long as if if your main character dies because that's what causes you to lose a battle. So that kind of sucks the first time that you learn that because you know you might lose one person. It's like oh no, so and so's knocked out, and then you just have to pay a fee later on to 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 res them. You know, outside of battle. Sure. And then, but then when your main character dies, then it's not just like oh he's knocked out. It's like oh you lose, game over. So you just gotta hope that you have a recent save. And uh, some of the battles kind of go on for pretty long because there's usually a lot of people. You have like. I want to say eight or maybe even 10 guys uh, fighting at once. Wow. And you're usually fighting against like maybe 15 or 20 guys. Um, They're arranged on the map so that you're not fighting them all at once. So it's not just super unfair, but it's a lot of guys that you have to fight. So it just takes a long time. And then, you know, every time it's the, it's the uh, AI's turn. The screen has to like scroll over to whoever's turn it is, do what they want to do, you know, move them or, do, or, you know, maybe not move them and then show the animation in between and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, the attack animation. So with all those things added together, you know, a fight could take 30 minutes to an hour in some cases. And so that's kind of a bitch when you lose a battle, especially if you've gotten pretty far on it. Cause like you have so sure. much to redo. Uh, thankfully I was playing with save states cause I was playing on the Genesis mini. So as long as I remember to save mid-battle, that that wasn't a huge deal. But uh, there are battles that, that I definitely lost and had to start over or had to go back to my save. Uh, so it's it's not super hard, but it's not an easy game either. Um, This game was fun for a while until, like I said, I got to maybe the 8 or 9 or 10 hour mark somewhere around there. And you start to realize that all battles are pretty much the same. And all the strategy involved is really pretty basic. So, like, every character can can pretty much do one or two things. Uh, you know, a typical warrior class character, they can just attack from one square away. You know? Sure. Um, and, and even the ranged characters, the archer, for instance, his range is only one extra square. So you have to still get pretty damn close with your ranged characters who are, of course, you know, super squishy. And uh, so they're kind of difficult to use. You pretty much have to have them behind a line of people to, or, you know, to, to, to guarantee that they're pretty safe. And even then, you know, it's not always a guarantee that they're hundred percent safe. Um, but then even the mages, for instance, they might have for, for most of the game, most of my mages had one spell each. <laughs> and then at maybe the six or seven hour mark, they leveled up to a point where they got, one extra spell and one of them it was just sleep or something like that and another one it was the same spell but it just gave him an aoe version of that spell so there's really not a lot of strategy because everybody can pretty much do one thing you know a healer can heal or attack they can they actually have do have pretty good attacks but that's just about it you're just you're just making sure you get good surrounds on people making sure you're not leaving anybody too vulnerable. So they don't get attacked by, you know, five guys in one turn or something like that. Um, and then, and that's like, that's all there is. Unfortunately, the game's kind of limited in that scope. And that's what eventually brought it down. I was just like, you know, I wasn't super bored, but I just kind of got to the point where I was like, you know, I'm just doing the same thing over and over again. I feel like I've experienced all this game has, uh, to give me. 
So it was fun for those, you know, eight to ten hours. But then I kind of hit this wall. And I was like, "Yep, this I've, I've just seen every I've seen everything there is to see." So it's a pretty good game for a little while. I just don't think it's worth playing all the way through. Um, there was one kind of awesome thing. Uh, there's a character that you can get named Jogurt, and he's a hamster wearing a helmet, <laughs> and he has. He's, he's entirely useless. He has one HP. He can't level up. If he does level up, then he just levels up back to level one. What? <laughs> yeah. And uh, the only thing he's used for is if you get a killing blow with him, he gets something called a yogurt ring. <laughs> and the yogurt ring... All it does is you use it on your own guys and it turns them, it makes them look just like him. What? <laughs> so, so it just, you just can go around, use it on your guys. He still can't attack for shit. Um, the ones, you know, I did get a kill with him cause I, I just happened to get an enemy down to one HP and Jogurt was nearby. So I used him to kill him. So he got the yogurt ring and I walked around using it on my guys. It just makes them all turn into little hamsters wearing, uh, wearing helmets and, and then, and they don't even stay that way after the battle. When you go into the next battle, they're back to normal again. So that's what Jogurt does. And his attack animation, all he does is just jumps in the air and puts his arms and legs out, just kind of like a flying squirrel. And that's it. That's, that's his attack animation. <laughs> oh, how they make a play on his name. Like how freaking ridiculous. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, that's pretty much it for Shining Force. Uh, one other cool thing is the the battles take place on the actual like world locations. So if you're in a town, for instance, and you and you have a battle in inside the town, which doesn't happen much, but it does happen a couple times, you're actually battling in the terrain of the town as you see it in game. It doesn't like cut away to some <laughs> other thing like like I think a lot of games would do in that in that that instance. But that's that's basically it. Like I said, good game, but then it just doesn't have enough variety to stay interesting for for how long it is. All right, the next game I played is a very strange one. It's called Bad Mojo. It's a PC game. It sort of feels like a point and click adventure game, but it's definitely not. I would call it a puzzle adventure game. Okay. Um, it came out in 1996. Somebody wrote in and told us about this in an email a long time ago. And I looked it up, I looked it up on GOG and it was $4 or something like that. So I was like, oh, this looks kind of interesting. I'll, you know, and weird. I'll, I'll go for it. And I hadn't gotten around to playing it until just now when I was sick. You know, as I said, I was sick over the weekend. I was just trying to find something to do. So I was looking through my GOG library and I saw a bad mojo and I was like, fuck it. Let's, let's give it a shot. So, uh, I say it feels like a point and click adventure game because it's, it's got a lot of the, the features of a point and click adventure game. It's pretty much just you going around solving puzzles. Uh, there are a few spots where you can die, but not very much, you know, it's not Twitch based or anything like that. It's just, you know, go walking around solving these puzzles. Um, but you don't actually click on anything. You actually control your character with uh with the keyboard you know directly you can do WASD or arrow keys 
And there's no inventory. There's no talking to people or anything like that. You can't even pick up or examine objects. You can just basically walk around onto things and shove things around. And that sounds kind of weird, but I'll explain why that's the case right now as I tell you what the story is, which is uh, fucking strange. The story makes no sense whatsoever, okay? Okay. So, first off, this is a... Everything, well, pretty much everything is is live action in this game. So all the cutscenes are live action cutscenes, you know, with like terrible actors and that kind of stuff. Um, all of the actual gameplay is, most of it is actual, you know, photographs are for the backgrounds and that kind of stuff. So there's, it's nothing that was, you know, drawn or computer generated for the most part, except for, you know, special effects here and there. But, um, so the game starts off and it's got this intro cutscene. You're this guy in his apartment and he's talking about how, I don't know, like the whole world's against him basically, but, uh, he had this awesome plan and he ended up stealing tons of money. He doesn't say how, but he's just like, yeah, I stole tons of money and it's all in cash. So nobody can find out that it was me. It's the perfect, it was like the perfect crime. And he's about to, the next morning he's planning on fleeing to Mexico where nobody can get him. And he's going to live in Mexico for the rest of his life, sitting on the beach, beach, uh, drinking margaritas. Okay. So he lives in this like shitty apartment. It feels like it's supposed to kind of be the slums of New Yorkers, you know, something like that. And, uh, <laughs> it's so funny because he's talking about how he's got all this money. He's going to go live in luxury in Mexico. <laughs> and then it shows his briefcase. It's like this tiny little briefcase with maybe a hundred thousand dollars in it or something like that. <laughs> And, uh, so he's, he's sitting there kind of talking to himself about, you know, how, how he's, you know, how he's made it basically and all this stuff. Yeah. Then, uh, his, his, uh, landlord comes knocking at the door and his landlord is kind of a typical seedy sort of, uh, real grungy looking character. He's, you know, got, he's wearing a stained white tank top and, and all this kind of stuff. And he's like, you know, you got my money, you're a week late on rent. And the guy's like, I'll give it to you in the morning. And they get in an argument about it. And then finally he's like, all right, fine. If I, uh, if I pay you now, just will you leave me alone? The guy's like, yeah, <laughs> you know, because you owe me money. So you go and get some money out of the briefcase to give to him. And he's like, oh, man, what you got? Why you, ha- why you got all that money in your briefcase? And uh, you're basically like, you know, mind your own business, whatever. He gives him the money. And the guy says... You know, better be careful with that briefcase. Uh, make sure you lock it. And uh, he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And he, you know, shuts the door. The guy walks off and, he, and the character goes, lock it. <laughs> what? <laughs> and he's like, that reminds me. And he pulls out a locket. Okay. Out of his desk. And it's a locket with his mom's picture on it. Okay. Then... He passes out and his soul goes into a roach and inhabits this roach. And then you're playing the whole game as this roach. Okay. (laughs) So the game is you 100% of the game is you controlling this roach. Okay. That's why I was, I wasn't trying to be so purposefully vague at first, but then I realized I kind of was, um, you're controlling this roach. You're walking around the environment and that's why you can't pick up anything or do anything like that. Cause you're just a little roach. So you're solving puzzles purely by walking around 
and occasionally there are things in the uh, in the environment that you can kind of nudge or or push around as the roach, like little mm-hmm. tiny things, like a cigarette butt, for instance. And uh, you're trying to figure out. I don't even know what you're trying to figure out. You're basically trying to figure out how to get places for I don't know what reason. Um, I don't know how you're supposed to know what what you're supposed to do or why you're doing any of this. But basically, you got to walk around and, f- and just figure out how to get somewhere to where a cutscene happens. That means you're progressing. Uh, th- uh like occasionally you'll get some cryptic message and I'm not even clear who it's coming from. I don't know if it's coming from maybe the ghost of your mom. Sometimes it seems kind of like it's coming from other roaches. I really honestly don't know, but it'll come up and give you, it'll jump into a cutscene with some female voice, basically reading some rhyme that's supposed to give you clues on what to do, but none of them make any fucking sense whatsoever. Um, and that's it. It's you walking around. I, in some, in some cases, a huge area where it's kind of a original legend of Zelda style where it's one screen, you walk over and then it cuts to another screen, right? Some of these areas are, are huge. So it's super easy to get lost. First of all, impossible to figure out where you need to go. Second of all, and then a lot of times, so there are liquids and stuff on the ground and you can't walk over liquids because I guess you don't get enough traction or whatever. Anyway, they're barriers if there's any sort of liquid. Okay. There's other barriers, you know, maybe uh, fucking, I don't know, spider web might be a barrier somewhere. Uh, sometimes there are little things you can push. Like if there's a little spot of water on one part, there's a little bottle cap that you can nudge onto it and kind of use that as a bridge to walk over it, for instance. Uh then there are, you know, slightly more involved things where there's one spot where, spot where there's a uh, lit cigarette butt on the ground, and there's also a spider nearby, and you got to nudge the cigarette butt to where it's pointing towards the spider, so when he comes and tries to get you, it burns him and kills him, for instance. A few little okay. things like that, but there's also parts where you might be on a table, and you can walk over the edge or climb down the leg of it and stuff, and to their credit, the, the designers did a pretty good job of saying, like, okay, if you climb down the leg, you know, we need a different scene that shows you walking down the leg and getting like all of the different angles where you could walk under the table or the side of a table or this other side or that side or on top of the table or whatnot. They did a pretty good job of being pretty inclusive on pretty much letting you crawl wherever you would be, you know, as long as there's not something explicitly blocking you. But then also there are some things like there might be a tiny crack in the table and that's a spot where you have to go to crawl through to get to the other side, but you can barely see it on the screen. Or if you do see it, it's really, really, really not clear that it's a place that you can go into. You know, it just looks like yeah. uh, a detail. Um, so you're just basically wandering around blind, doing things, pushing things here and there. Um, trying to figure out what's passable and what's not, what's a hole that you, that might take you somewhere else and just going around with no direction whatsoever. Um, doing things like sometimes there are clues. There are enough clues to, so that you can kind of figure out what you're supposed to do, but you never know why. Uh, for instance, there is, um, a rat at one point 
and you see him eat a roach that walks by and he looks super evil. So you can tell, okay, I need to, you know, that rat's dangerous. He's going to kill me if I walk by. Then later on, if you like get this far, you'll see um, on this part kind of above, kind of above the rat, there's this spot where there are tons of razor blades. So you might deduct, okay, or deduce, you might think, well, okay, if I shove these, then maybe they'll fall and kill the rat. But, but, and you do that and that is what happens. And it's like super gory when you go back and see it, it's just this dead rat, you know, there's like lifelike picture of a dead rat just like stabbed through with all these razor blades. But mm-hmm. you, you know, you might be able to figure that out, but what, but you don't know why you're doing any of this. What, you know, why do I need to kill the rat? Did I want to get into his home? Okay, maybe, but why did I want to get into his home? I don't know. There's one part where there is, uh, you're in your landlord's room and there is a, uh, you're on top of some table or something and there's, he has sleeping medicine there. And there's one pill that comes out of the sleeping medicine bottle and it's kind of sitting there. And then right next to this area, like down a little ways, uh, like down kind of on the floor on like a lower part of the table or something, there's a beer can. Okay. So it's, you know, if you're familiar with, puzzle games or adventure games, you might, you know, it may be obvious. Okay. I need to push this sleeping pill into the beer can, you know, so maybe he'll drink it and fall asleep. But why do I want him to, you know, drink this and fall asleep? None of that is ever, it doesn't give you any clue, like any sense of why you're doing the things you're doing. It's just like, occasionally you're to a spot where it's like, well, I guess I need to do this. I don't know why, but that's just how I advance the game, I guess. Holy shit. It is, uh, I play, I beat the whole thing using a walkthrough. Wow. Because five minutes into the game, I had no fucking clue what was going on. So I pulled up a walkthrough and the walkthrough was about a page on GameFAQs. So I was, you know, I was like, well, this game sucks, but at least I can see the whole thing. I'm just going to go through it. It takes maybe 45 minutes if you use a walkthrough to to beat the whole thing. Uh, Otherwise, there would have been probably no chance or it would have taken a really long time. Uh, so I use a walkthrough beat in about 45 minutes and it's, uh, it is just terrible. You get all the, you know, you've got these weird live action cutscenes here and there, like either just confusing the shit out of you or just not making any sense or just being weird. All of the environments are super ugly. Like they're, they're that way on purpose. They're supposed to be, Super gritty. Again, you're you're sort of supposed to be like in the slums. You're supposed to be in a shitty apartment complex, but everything is just made to look as gross as possible. Pretty much, like there's smashed food all over the place. There's one part where you're in the kitchen and there are just fish guts lying around and disgusting looking chili being cooked on the stove. When you're in Ew. one of the, be- I think it's maybe your own bedroom. There's a thing of smashed uh, TV dinner on one of the tables. It's just like nothing. And again, this is on purpose. It's supposed to look like a gross place, but eventually you just get tired of looking at just gross shit nonstop. You know, it's the scenery is not pretty. It's just disgusting for the most part. Yeah. Uh, and again, it's all actual, you know, for the most part, actual photographs of, of all these things for the background. So there's no real artistic integrity it just is everything just kind of looks disgusting. Um, and then, and that's, that's the whole, that's the game. It's just you 
walking around occasionally, like I said, getting these cryptic poems that are supposed to be giving you some sort of hints as to what to do, but they don't help whatsoever. And then I don't really understand what happened in the end, but eventually you, you long story short is you, uh, turn on, you turn off a pilot light for the stove for some stove somewhere. And then you turn the stove back on. So it's just got gas flowing. And then, um, you're trying to blow the place up again. I don't know why. And I barely even know how, but that's what you're doing. And then once you do all this stuff, then you can climb back onto, you can climb onto the locket that's next to your guy who's still passed out on the ground. And when you climb onto the locket, that makes you re-inhabit your real body. And then you get the ending of the game. (laughs) And depending on there's, there's, there are three or four different endings you can get depending on if you wake up the landlord or not. Um, you might get a bad ending or a good ending. All the bad endings are if you, uh, like one of them, you die. One of them, you get arrested for blowing up the place. But if you wake up the landlord, which I forgot even how, um, before you go back and climb onto the locket and then the guy runs out with his money and then the apartment complex blows up or, you know, I guess it might just be you and him. The, the building blows up. Um, then you get this, this weird ass, you know, an ending cut scene where they're talking and they figure out that, um, you and your landlord, you figure out that he's your dad. What? <laughs> And then it shows as the fi- for the final scene of the game, it shows you and him on a beach drinking margaritas. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, I'm kind of glad that you finished this because uh, this is uh, really bizarre. Yeah, I am too. Um, it is. It is for this. I don't know what you call this type of game. Again, puzzle adventure game. Maybe it's one of the worst ones that I've played. Interesting. It's just, again, there's no indication or very, 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 very little indication of what you're doing at any given time. Or again, as I said, or why you're doing the things that, are, that you can, you know, tell the game wants you to do. So, uh, I'm glad I played it cause it was something else, but, uh, it sucked. So it sounds like really bad thing you'd recommend. Yes, I would. Um, one thing I will say that they did a good job is that the roach is surprisingly realistically animated. And I actually read somewhere that he, that they captured, they filmed roaches walking around and captured something like 700 frames of movement for the roach. <laughs> wow. So they, they actually did a really good job of, of capturing the way a roach moves around. But one really funny thing is... Uh, in the gra- you know, I, again, this is an older game, 1996. In the graphics options for the game, where you can like adjust this or that, just in case your computer, you know, can't yeah. handle shadows and stuff. One of the things, one of the things you can turn off for performance is uh, you can turn off the roach's antenna movement. And apparently, and apparently, that makes the game run a little bit better. You know, if 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 you had problems with it. Sure. So, uh, whew. This game sucks really bad, but it's it's weird enough to make it worth it again if you just are going through a walkthrough and aren't trying to spend time actually, you know, figuring the damn thing out. 
Wow. Yep. So you would recommend, you encourage everybody to try this game and play it all the way through to the end. Is what yeah. I'm yeah, don't use a walkthrough. <laughs> and don't use a walkthrough. That's always a, a daunting task. <laughs> Some older games. All right, Jay. Have you been playing something uh, better than Bad Mojo? Uh, yeah, without question. Uh, so towards the end of last week, my brother and I were looking for someone to play. And as I was kind of talking about earlier with Warcraft, we, my brother and I have been playing a couple different RTSs over the last probably month or so. And my brother's like, yeah, I really want to play a new RTS. Uh, but I want to play one that's not really geared around having a ton of units. And I was like, oh, Warcraft's pretty good for that. Warcraft, you don't have a ton of units. You know, you still have, (coughs) excuse me. You still have a good number of units, but it's nowhere near like a StarCraft or, or, you know, the typical RTSs. And so we were kind of talking about it. And then with all the shit that happened with Warcraft, we are like, yeah, it's not going to happen. And I have played Northgard, which is that new MMO for 100 hours plus. And uh-huh. um, I really like that game, but uh, I didn't want to I- introduce him to it just because I was already 100 hours into it. And I didn't really feel like playing that much more than I already have. So we researched around, we found a couple other RTSs that seemed kind of interesting, and then we stumbled across something that I didn't know existed and is actually a pretty decent community. Um, so we found this game called Battle for Westnoth, and this oh, is I've an heard open source game. Have you? I, I had never heard of it prior prior to stumbling across. It was crazy because it was on a bunch of different lists of people like, yeah, you have to try this game. Um, it's kind of a different take on RTS, and um, I'm really happy we did. So this is an it's an open source turn based strategy game um, that is fantasy themed, um, some medieval you know type type stuff with um, different factions that have some unique elements you know like ogres and trolls. Um, you have night elves, you have orcs, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And this is an open source game that started in 2003 and has been worked on progressively since then. And so people have been working on this game off and on, and they're they're I think they're at patch one point. Uh, 1.14.11. So they've gone through 15 iterations of, I would assume, like 15. So they've done many, many different patches. And the game is hand animated. So this is, again, this is an open source project where anybody can contribute to it. And they've created a really good product. It's super, uh, super well done, uh, especially for an open source project. So essentially, the game looks similar to those who have played um, Here's a Might and Magic, that kind of series, that sort of top down view. Um, but it's nothing, it, it's, it's, it has some elements that resemble here's my magic, but it's nothing like the, the core, uh, core essence of the game. So essentially how this game works is you have this open map. Um, you can play co-op, which is what we did a decent amount, or you can play versus the co-op. There's a campaign you can do that is co-op. That's actually pretty damn cool. Uh, the graphics are you know relatively good. Uh, the music sound effects are, are good as well. Nothing to write home about, but it's, it's good. They're, they're, they're pretty damn good. But the gameplay is what what makes this game so interesting. And you can definitely see the amount of care and the amount of attention that people have put into creating this game. So when you start the game, you have a main hero, which is a level one hero. Um, And essentially, so you pick a faction and then you pick your hero or you can do random if you want to. Uh, So what I picked is I picked this race called the Northerners, which has like uh, orcs and uh, trolls and ogres and, and different units like that. And your hero is the only unit that can produce other units. And it can only do that when it's in your keep within your castle. So, and they start there. So essentially... What, which one uh, creates units? Your main hero. Your okay. main hero has to be in your castle, in your keep. So um, here's a picture of it, just to kind of give you a reference By point. the way, you said it was RTS, but I think you did the thing where it's not 
RTS, right? This is this is not this would not be technically an RTS. This is turn based, right? Yeah, this is this is turn based for okay. sure. <coughs> okay. Excuse me. Uh, so essentially, it's it's a big ass uh, grid of hexes, uh, hex grid, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you can actually turn that on, so you have the visual representation of the different grids. And essentially, you have your castle, which has certain segments that are considered keeps. And if your main hero is there, then you can purchase units uh, from there that instantly produce within your castle. And then the following turn, because uh, you take turns, the following turn, you can then move them out of your base. Uh, so unlike a, a, a lot of strategy games, resources are, there's, there's not a lot of complexity to the resources. Your main one is gold. Um, which you receive a certain amount of gold per turn, depending on how many structures that you own within the map. And the more units you have out, the more the higher your upkeep is, which lowers your income. And if you get to a certain point where you have negative income, then obviously you lose money every turn uh, subsequently. So as you move around the map, each unit has its own unique uh, movement in terms of like how far they can move based on what type of unit they are. And if you capture what are called keeps, I think they're called keeps, I want to say they're called keeps. They're like little structures on the map, and you claim them, you raise a flag at that location, your income then goes up. So early on, your macro phase is produce a bunch of units, expand out into the map, and try to capture as many of these buildings so that you can continue to macro. At that point, you have to decide, do I want to take my hero and move him outside of the city uh, to go fight because your hero is generally very strong, or do I want to leave him home so that he can produce units from every turn? So right there, I was already like, this is pretty intriguing because your hero is very powerful. And in a, in a straight-up fight, if you have your hero and your opponent doesn't, it's a significant difference. Uh, the combat is very, it's, it's very simplistic, but there's a lot of thought that goes into it. So each unit has a couple features to them. The first one is they have an attack, uh, either melee or range or both. And then they have what is called, I think they're called feats, I want to say. But they're these random sort of attributes that are added to each one of your units. And it could be something where uh, they have extra health, they move further, and they're titled different things like quick or, or hardy, I think, or tanky or something to that effect. And they have these different feats that are randomly generated. Some of them are a little bit better than others, but you usually get like two of these feats per unit. And so your units generally early on when you, you get your units, that creates a little bit of, of, of a diversity in strategy because immediately, depending on which feats your units get, that can determine what kind of strategy you're going to do, right? Because if you have a lot of speed, you have the ability to, to traverse the map very quickly and claim a bunch of these different locations in order to uh, keep your economy going very, very high. So uh, that, that's one piece of it. The second piece is your attacks based on what level the unit is, which I'll talk about in a minute, will determine how much damage they do. And essentially, think, this game has a lot of dice rolling going on. So when you attack, oh, cool. you have a chance to hit based on... It, it, there's no visual dice right. rolling but no, it's like behind the scenes type thing so essentially you have a chance to hit so every time you make an attack you have a chance to hit and if your your unit's attack is five times two they attack for five damage twice if it's seven times three then they hit for seven times or they attempt to hit for seven uh, three different instances of seven damage um so and that's like early on right and so if you're doing a ranged attack um a, an opponent can only counterattack you if they have a ranged attack so if you are a bowman and you walk up and you always walk into the, the closest hex to them before you attack and you attack them, you shoot at them. Um, so let's say you're a ranger and it does five times three. You'll make five. Uh, you'll make three instances of five damage. And if they have no ranged attack, then you just pummel them. If they do, they will attack based on their attack. So if they have a bow skill of four times two, then they'll counterattack twice, uh, whereas you'll hit them three times. And this comes into play a lot because counterattacking is very important because you get experience. And each unit has their own unique experience bar. 
when they get to higher level or when they when they level up they become substantially stronger so one of the key strategies in this game is one don't lose units that have a lot of experience uh and two make sure to level units up because the higher level they get the stronger they get and obviously the more damage they can do overall the ai is coded to target your units based on their experience so if you have two units of the same caliber and one has is closer to leveling than the other the ai will target that one to try and kill it before it levels so you have to be very smart about it the ai is pretty fucking smart like they're actually oh, okay. pretty darn good at this and so my brother and I played through a decent amount of the campaign. We played through a couple random levels as well. And Wait, was this, when you all, were you all playing together? Yeah. Yeah. You can do co-op campaign um, oh, or you cool. can do like you can fight each other or you can queue up. Uh, the most people we played with so far was three people. So we did three V three against AI and we lost a uh, majority of the time. Wow. The campaign is a little bit better about ramping into it. Um, but yeah. One of the things I forgot to mention is the terrain. The terrain, you can right-click on any of the terrain to uh, basically inspect the terrain, and different terrain has different features which benefit certain characters. So again, another strategy element that comes into it is based on which terrain you're at, obviously you gain positives or negatives based on that. Um, trying to think what else. Oh, status effects are very critical in this game. Like, poison does a substantial amount of damage. So if you actually... A lot of the characters that do poison, they do small amounts of damage. They might do, like, three by three. So they hit three three instances of three. But when the poison lands, it is brutal. So there, there's nice balancing. There's I believe there's seven factions. I want to say 200-ish or, like, 150-ish different types of units within those seven factions, uh, which is pretty cool. I haven't even played all the factions yet. I got hooked on a couple of them that I've been playing pretty heavily. Uh, but it's it's been pretty cool. Um, also, there's like certain features where units can get like a stealth mechanic where they go invisible. You can still see them, but your units will automatically path into them if you're walking in a certain way. So if you like put a stealth huh. unit in a certain area, your their unit will purposely walk into it. They will not avoid it, and you get some sort of am ambush type style uh, huh. interaction that happens. So. I will say the, the amount of care that has going, gone into this project is freaking phenomenal. Like the, the amount of balancing, the game is really, really well balanced. Uh, I will say it's pretty damn difficult. I haven't played against other people yet because I just don't feel like getting stomped. Uh, but I'm, I'm getting comfortable with the different races, how they interact with certain uh, factions, what's a good start. Because early on, we had no idea what we were doing. We were like, oh, let's build a couple guys right off the bat, and then let's have everybody leave town. But then come to find out, once your main dude leaves the town, it's like you can't build any more units, so then he has to head back home. And you get in these really awkward situations where you start accumulating a lot of money, but you can't really do anything with it because you can't build back home. And it becomes like this, this uh, very interesting early game the early game consists of a lot of your hero kind of chilling at home I, I usually will take him out get a couple of structures that are very close to accumulate more money and then i'll bring him back home and start amassing a pretty decent army um, and then once combat actually starts initiating once you can start pr uh, pressing your opponent uh, based on where you are because for again for me the terrain is key so there's definitely certain terrain that has a substantial difference in terms of who's going to win or lose a fight, especially like the trolls get a huge benefit for being in hill-like areas. Oh, okay. And we, we read it. We were like, okay, the trolls get a benefit. What do you do? It was ridiculous. Like if they were sitting in the hills, it was almost impossible. They, they oh, had like wow. higher defense. They regen health every turn. And they don't do a lot of damage, but they're just so tanky that they can outlast most of your units, which was just pretty crazy. Uh, what else? How, does it have a tutorial that kind of teaches all this to you? 
We watched a video. Okay. Uh, we didn't. We didn't look for a tutorial. We just kind of watched some guy explaining the game because the guy okay. had been a part of the community since the early two thousands. So was, he explained. Do you, know who, do you remember who it was? Uh, no, not off the top of my head. It was like a YouTube video that my brother and I found. It was like the first one. Like we basically YouTubed like how to play Battle for West, uh, West North, and it was like the first video that came up. Okay. Um, and by the way, this game is for um, it's for Windows, it's for uh, Linux, iOS, Android, Mac. Like they they've they've built it on multiple different platforms. Wow. And from what I was reading, majority of them seem to work almost flawlessly. So uh, I have very few complaints about it so far. Uh, what were you gonna say? Sorry, I was just gonna say that I've I heard about this maybe a year or two ago, and I've been really interested in it, and it sounds cool. Um... But I just haven't, you know, gotten to it. But you're making, you're intriguing me. It, it's interesting, and I, I keep using this this phrasing, but it, it's it's a nice little like takeaway from RTS. Like it doesn't require a heavy amount of micro. No, no, no I was going to say like, like I, no. What I mean by that is, I was looking for a strategy type game, and I wasn't looking for something that's that's very uh, micro and okay, mechanic okay. intensive. And this game it, it hits that very well for me because as I'm starting to get older, my mechanics are not what they used to be. So it's very frustrating for me to play high mechanic type RTSs. Um, and I was looking for something that's you know kind of turn based, looking for something that's more strategy oriented. I've been into more board games and a Gloomhaven, and this game really hits that. I mean, you're you have all these different units, and every game is different, right? Because I, I talked about the different units you can build right off the bat, the different feats that they have, the different uh, layouts of the map can determine a lot of what you do um but it, it's it's very interesting and, and usually even when it's not my turn i'm generally distracted enough because your turns don't last forever they're like three four minutes at most i would say but even during those three four minutes of like i'm waiting for other people to finish i'm like looking at the map trying to understand where i want to go and you can hover over every single unit and see how far they can go and how far they can attack which is fantastic because then you can basically plan out your turns um and kind of in the AI to do different things because AI is pretty consistent so you can rely on them to do certain things but again they will uh, target higher priority units based on sort of a, a tier list that they have in mind I'm downloading it are you it's really small by the way it's like it's minimal I think it was like a gig or something uh half yeah like it's like think about that <laughs> um Trying to think what else. The campaign's pretty cool. I, I've heard the story is pretty interesting. I'm, I'm not going to dive too much into it because I, I, maybe if I play through the campaign more, I might, might look into uh, the understanding of the lore, but I just assumed that the lore was going to be pretty pretty basic. Can you choose or customize your heroes, or is it just based on what race you're playing? Uh, each each race has a unique set of heroes you can choose from. Okay. I played the dragon race quite a bit. I played the dragon race. I played uh, the northerner, I think it was called, northern, uh, which is like the... Um, the orcs and the trolls and the ogres, I want to say, and then I also played the night elves a little bit as well. How are the maps? They're pretty cool. They, they're definitely diverse. The different features of the map come into play. Um, obviously, there's like certain choke points that are kind of heavily contested. And really, how the game goes for me in the early game is like you macro a little bit, and macro really just consists of you trying to claim as many uh, facilities around you to produce as much gold as possible. You get a decent force going, and then you ultimately get to a sort of choke point where you can't push any further because you're going to have to initiate in a pretty big cut series of combat, and then you slowly inch your way toward them, choking them out of their resources of their of their gold facilities over a of a short amount of time it is it does get a little bit repetitive in that regard but not enough to where it happens enough to where you get burned out uh, at least in my experience so far wow well uh sounds pretty badass yeah it, it's super fun and and if you do start playing i think three is the most amount of people you can play with but my brother and myself and and a few other people have been playing so um, we'd be happy to include you cool yeah definitely i think i think this sounds like it would be a fun one
And they patch frequently, too. Since we started playing, they've already patched at least once. Nothing, like, substantial, but they're just constantly working on it. And, the, right. oh, by the way, the forums and the Discord are super active. Uh, I actually had to mute the Discord because it was, like, constantly going. <laughs> it sounds, from from what little I know about it, it sounds kind of like the strategy version, uh, or not version, but sort of like the strategy game equivalent of something like uh, Dwarf Fortress. It's, you know, purely uh, free-to-play. It's just made by a couple independent... <laughs> developers who are constantly updating it yeah. super good got a whole lot of depth um you know a little maybe a little bit hard to figure out at first but it's got like a really like niche but but really kind of devoted community around yeah it. it's very it's very rewarding once once we got the basics down of the game it, it felt re- really rewarding because yeah kinda, I, I know what you mean by that that comparison because like the amount of depth you, you can tell this is a passion project for a lot of people the amount of depth it, it, that they put into each one of the units and just the kind of the the different aspects of each of the units is pretty damn cool like there's a lot of unique features to the different factions and, and uh units that come with it sweet well uh hell yeah that sounds awesome yeah just let me know anytime you want to play Okay, we'll do. Um, let's take a quick break and then do top fives. Okay. All right, Jay, top fives. Now, before we actually get to our real top fives, uh, last episode, I forgot to do a recap of our previous year's uh, New Year's gaming resolutions. So, um, you know, as, as you know, at the beginning of every year, we say the games that we want to try to play during that year. And I, I forgot to, uh, for that episode last time, I forgot to go back and see what we had done the previous year to see if we had actually gone through with those. So I have those now. So for 2019, at the beginning of the year, our New Year's gaming resolutions, the games that we wanted to try to play in 2019, were the following. This is me keeping us accountable. That's what I do. Uh, uh-oh. Should I run away now? Yes, you should. Uh, your first one was beat any Twisted Metal game. Nope. Man, I'm kind of disappointed I didn't do that, <laughs> actually. Uh, your second one, I think, uh, you, yeah, you did this one for sure, was to play Pikmin 2. Yeah, unfortunately it wasn't the best, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, play and beat Diablo 1. You Ooh, played it. Well, I didn't, didn't beat it. Yeah. I got stuck. That's right. I got stuck. Oh, that was so brutal. I'm still tilted about that. <laughs> that sucks. I yeah. literally ran out of money. Like, I, I couldn't. There was nothing to kill, and there was no money. There was no money left for me to accumulate. <laughs> that really sucks. It, I, I hit a dead end. It's so brutal. Um, Play Max Payne 1 or 2. Oh, I didn't do that. I do actually. I still do want to do that, though, at some point. I know it's going to be rough, especially like yeah, how it ridiculous it is, but yeah. These are then, good. I like these so far. And then your last one was to play Half-Life 1 or 2. Oh, now's my chance. <laughs> now's your chance. That is, exactly. that is a game actually I've been thinking about for like the last several months of playing for the podcast. I was just cool. like, I'm like, yeah, I should play Half-Life 1 again. And then I just ended up playing something else. Well, now you can uh, make all your disappointed fans <laughs> yeah, <laughs> slightly less disappointed. Uh, okay, mine were... To play more sports games, I definitely did that. I played quite a few last year. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, w- uh, my second one was to p- to finish a mystery game that I said I'd been playing for a very long time, but I didn't want to spoil what it was, uh, and that was Shenmue. <laughs> so I did oh, that. I was like trying to think what you're talking about. Oh yeah. Um, my third one was Eternal Darkness. Oh yeah, I did that. 
Well, I did that, but I didn't. I actually didn't do it until the first episode of 2020. So technically, I guess I did not. Um, but I, I did do it in time before we had our new New Year's resolutions. So I, kinda, I was kind of super close on that one. Then my other, my last two were Star Control Two and Gra- Gran Turismo Three. I did both of those. So I actually, oh, Gran Turismo Three. Don't talk about that game. That's another game that every time we talk about, you want to play it again. <laughs> yeah, it's such a good game. Okay, so on to this week's top five list. Worst games in series that you love. Uh, I guess I'll start. My number five. Okay, so the way I the way I uh, figured out, you know, which is which of these should be higher on the list, I kind of did a uh, ratio of how much I loved the series to how bad the game in the series is. So uh for instance, if there's a series that I super love, but the game isn't super bad, I only kind of disliked it, that would sort of be equal to a, a series that I don't love, but I like, but the game is sort of terrible. But, but the game is absolutely terrible. I don't know if that makes much sense, but there, there, there it is. Yeah, I, I, I actually agree with you on that. Because I was kind of thinking, like, series I love is kind of a strong strong verbiage for certain things so yeah, i'm kind of right there with you okay yeah okay so this first That's one on my okay my number five is from a series that i absolutely love this game i don't hate and it's not terrible but it's just not good either this is metal gear solid the vr missions <laughs> this is a metal gear solid game without any of the wacky fun metal gear solid stuff it's just purely stealth gameplay in a sterile environment the whole game is just you um in a VR environment, like doing training missions, basically. And it's just like, oh, get here, get from here to here without this guy, without anybody seeing you and that kind of stuff. And it's just, that's all the game is. And it strips all of the fun stuff out of Metal Gear Solid. Uh, so it's just interesting. Not, yeah, it's just, it's not bad, but it's not good either. Yeah, I, I, I can understand that sentiment too, because there are certain games that I really enjoy the game. Like, I, I've been watching Lisa and Hunter play um, Fire Emblem Three Houses like nonstop for the past however Still. long it's been out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's actually a, a, a DLC that comes out next week for it. But uh, it's yeah. interesting to me because there's such a variety in gameplay that I feel like if it was focused on one of those different uh, gameplay aspects, that it would be you get burned out almost immediately. Oh, really? But the okay. fact that they do such a good job of like pacing it and having you do different features, I think kind of what you're talking about helps to make it a more enjoyable experience cool that's good to know because i think I'm, I'm gonna get that soon oh you should get that game that game's incredible hunter is 270 hours deep like not even joking <laughs> yeah it's a it's a really really good game it is one of the best games in the last 10 years i would say confidently and oh, i've yeah. barely played it so cool <laughs> excuse me um my number five again content talk about series there are a number of star wars games that i like um there are some that i'm just like whatever about and then there are some that are uh just downright just really rough for me to play um so this is actually a game i'm going to play for the podcast at some point because it has kind of a nostalgia factor for me i played this a lot when i was growing up um this is star wars episode one the phantom menace for pc so if you've never played this game this came out in the late two, late nine, late nineties, early two thousands, and the graphics are pretty rough, and the gameplay is really inconsistent. It is a brutal playthrough; like it is vicious how difficult it is at times. Because there's a couple different uh, play modes throughout the game, and one of the key ones, obviously, you're playing a Jedi and moving around. You have the you obviously have a lightsaber, and you have different mechanics you can do with it, but they don't consistently work, and they don't consistently not work. So if you're fighting droids, if you're fighting people with guns and they're shooting at you, you can try to deflect, and there's a chance it'll work, and other times it'll just pierce you and hit you. 
Um, this game is brutal, and this game is known for for having that kind of just bullshit. Just it seems like really lazy design um, mm-hmm. overall. But I played this game a ton and got extremely frustrated. They, 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 they do a lot of like these. They love to do these different types of jumping puzzles throughout the game. That oh, no. the jumping mechanic is awful. It's one of those ones where you jump and there's like a delayed um, sort of understanding of where the sprite is. So it's very hard to time the different jumping puzzles. It's a rough game. I'll, I'll give a, a more depth uh, review of it when I play it. But okay, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm impressed that you're going to actually play it, considering. We'll see. I I think the nostalgia will at least get me a couple hours in. Gotcha. All right. My number four is a Star Wars game. This is Star Wars Dark Forces. I think Hmm. there are plenty of people that do like this game. It's it's their first ever um, first-person shooter. And so it's basically a Doom clone just set in the Star Wars universe. It sounds like a killer combination, but it's really not. The gameplay is not good. The, The... when you shoot your blaster, the, the lasers travel kind of slow. So it makes it hard to hit things. The level designers are really weird and really confusing at some point. So it, it just ends up feeling much more like a chore than something like doom, for instance, where it's just, hell yeah, let's get, let's just run around and kill a shitload of demons. This one just, uh, they, they lose a lot of the fun factor in it. All right. You're number four. Cool. Uh, uh, so growing up, I both played a lot of the SimCity type games, and I, I think I played SimCity 2000. I think because it was on PC and was it 64 or PlayStation One? I, I think have it was, no it idea. It was cross platform. Regardless, I played a bunch of SimCity games growing up, from my computers at school to my computers at home. And I was very excited when I heard the announcement of The Sims because I thought it was going to be something different, something I would enjoy. And I was severely disappointed. Oh, you didn't like uh, The Sims. Do you like The Sims? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I, I despise The Sims. I I, I I think it's so boring and just so... I feel like you're not doing anything. Like, I feel like you're, you're not really trying to achieve... Which is funny, because, like, SimCity kind of has that same feeling to it, but I feel like I enjoyed the challenge of SimCity much more than anything to do with The Sims. Lisa is a big Sims fan. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, she, she's... I'm going to stop right there, then. Like I wouldn't consider myself a huge Sims fan, but I did really I did like the game quite a bit when it came out the the original one. Yeah, not for me. It, it was fun when I was when it first came out. Uh, everybody's girlfriend was playing that game. That's, <laughs> That's funny because my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, she played not at, well not then, but but a few years later she discovered it. That was that's basically the only video game to date yep. still that she's played. At the time, that was like it, most of the women that I knew. That was like the only game that they would play. <laughs> All right, uh, my number three. Uh, I don't love this series, kind of like you were saying earlier, but um, I do like it, and I like it more nowadays. Uh, but this game was just really pretty bad. Final Fantasy II. Oh, okay. I think I talked about. I think it was the last episode that I talked about it, and uh, it's just uh, definitely the worst of the main. Well, I guess probably the worst period Final Fantasy game that I've played, and uh, yeah. I, I really like the Final Fantasy series. Even, you know, I've gotten, I've inexplicably started getting into RPGs uh, recently. And so I like the Final Fantasy series more now, but I always have, even though I haven't played a whole lot of them, I've always really appreciated the aesthetic and I do kind of like what those games do. I like the creativity in all of them or, you know, in most of them and all that kind of stuff. So even still, I wouldn't call myself a big Final Fantasy fan. I'm definitely not a diehard fan or anything like that. But 
I do like and appreciate the series, what I've played of it, but this one is just bad. Cool. All right. Uh, game number three? Yep. Number three for me. Uh, I, I haven't played a whole lot of Superman games, but growing up, I did play a lot of superhero Batman. Uh, Superman, I would rent them a lot. I didn't really own a lot of them. But I rented Superman 64 uh, uh, a handful of times for whatever dumbass reason. It was one of those games that like the cover <laughs> looked once. interesting. Or, yeah, more than one. And it wasn't just my choosing, because at this point, my younger brother and my older brother both had a say in what game we were renting. So it wasn't wasn't always up to me, but oh my! I remember we'd rent this game, and every time we would just have this these good expectations of it, we'd rent it, and then we'd get home, start playing, and be like, "What were you thinking?" Like this this game is is bad in every count possible, and every single time you're like, "Yeah, it's gonna be good." Like you look at the box art, it looks interesting, and you're like, "Oh yeah, I remember that one part I really liked." No, this game is just absolute dog do. And again, I played a, a bunch of Superman games. But I played a few, and I, I generally enjoy them. I mean, you know what you're getting into, um, generally f- with those Superman games. But this game is just, whoo. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, I have not played it, but I'm very familiar with it. Okay. Yeah, the um, meme generator. Yep. Number two for me, my uh, my favorite game series of all time, Monkey Island. Unfortunately, mm. the fourth one, Escape from Monkey Island, is just a bad game. It's uh, it's just a bad point-and-click adventure game. Puzzles are boring and, in many cases, nonsensical. The graphics are very dull, and uh, the humor is okay, but it's still not. But it's not as good as any of the other games in the series. It's just, it's just not good. Unfortunately, kind of sucks. Yeah, I hate that feeling. I mean, that's pretty much the feeling of the Soul List. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, my number two had to put a Final Fantasy game on here. There, there was no way I was going away with this. This is Final Fantasy VIII. Uh, I tried to play this a few times for the podcast, and I'm sorry. I know there are certain people that really enjoy this game, but for me, it's like you have this this timing where it was like Final Fantasy six, seven, eight, nine. Like those four for me, I always because this is like the, one of the prime times I was playing a lot of Final Fantasies before ten came out, and it was like six and seven, fantastic game. Nine, just incredible, and it's like eight just has this mark for me. That forever, I, every time I've tried to play it, it's like, I can't get through the story or I can't get through just the ridiculous dialogue. It just, kind of what we were talking about before, where you have these games where they have a variety of aspects that you appreciate and you don't get overwhelmed with one piece of it. There's just nothing there for me that holds my attention when you were, when you were talking about Metal Gear Solid. Mm. But there's just n- not one of those schools do they hit well enough to really keep my attention long enough. And it's really unfortunate because I don't think it's the worst game ever made, but it is definitely subpar in comparison to the other Final Fantasies that came around, came out around that time. It's funny. First, even though I really can't handle boring or dull RPGs, I really am kind of excited to eventually get to this one because I just want to see what it's like. Yeah. I'm very curious what, what you were, your opinions. I, I've thought about playing it from time to time again, but I've heard you and Blake talk such, Talk about how bad it is. And I, from everything you've said, I think I'm 100% going to agree. But for some reason, I'm just very, very curious to actually experience it for myself. Like, I would rather play 9 again than play 8. Is 9, do you not, do you like 9? <clears throat> I think nine's incredible. But my, my point is, like, I would rather repeat a game from start to finish than try to even attempt that game again mm-hmm. right now. Like yeah. that, that's how my brain feels about it. I can understand that. <laughs> Okay, uh, number... Well, we're on to number one. This is yep. <laughs> Street Fighter 1. The, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, pretty much maybe the only bad Street Fighter game, unless you start <laughs> counting stuff like uh, Street Fighter, the movie, the game, or whatever it is. 
uh, out of the main line Street Fighter games, there none of them are really bad. There are things that aren't great about some of them, especially the most recent one. the The whole monetization of it is just gone to shit. But uh, but the game itself is pretty good. The very first original Street Fighter is a terrible fighting game, and I am astonished that anything good ever came out of uh, the franchise. It's uh, wow, super slow. The special moves don't work, but about half or maybe less than half the time. Uh, but when you do hit them, they take off more than half your opponent's health. Uh, it's just the game is just a mess. It's for a game. Uh, genre that relies so heavily on, you know, responsiveness and and speed and twitch reaction that kind of stuff. It completely failed on implementing all of those things that it relies on. So it's just a terrible game. Cool. Uh, my number one. I wish I could put the fifth installment of this game on here, but I believe it's outside of our our window. Uh, but this one is pretty equally bad for me. This is Heroes of Might and Magic 4. Um, so Heroes of Might and Magic 3, I've talked about, numerous people have written in, uh, even two, how great these games are, how fantastic these games were, how complete they were. And the fourth and fifth one, for that matter, were, were such a miss. It, it is one of those things where you look at the second one and you look at how good the game was, and you look at the third one, and you look at the fact that they did multiple pieces of the third one and then did a complete version where they basically added all the different pieces of it together for one final product and how incredible it was. And then you went into the fourth one and it was such a letdown that for, for me, that's the, when the fourth one was bad, I immediately stopped playing it. I went back to the third one and I was, I was even like, I was super hesitant to play anything beyond the fourth one. Wow. Cause I think they've only done, I think they've done up to six now and I don't even try the new ones anymore. The third one is just so perfect of that genre and that type that the fourth one is just, oh, it's so bad. There were, there were so many issues with it. It was like they tried to almost redo what they what what successes they had with it. Uh, it was just such a miss. And it was really disappointing because my close friend and I, my childhood friend, we would spent hours doing Hot Seat where you sit next to each other and play through a bunch of different missions within Heroes of Might Magic 3. And we were super excited for the fourth one. And it was just such a disappointment. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Our next top five is games that you've been wanting to play the longest. Oh, yeah. So, Ties in well with our, uh, our um, whatchamacallit for the year. Uh, predictions for the year. Not our predictions, but our, our uh, uh, resolutions. Well, we want to play this year. Yeah, resolutions, yeah. thank you. Gotcha. Yeah, um, yeah it, it does. And um, so, yeah, games that you've been wanting to play the longest, the games that you know been on your to-play list forever, classic games. Um but you just still haven't gotten around to them. I've got so I swear I've probably got a couple. I need to go look at my list, but I've probably got some written down that I that have been there since the beginning of the podcast. I bet. That's oh, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I'm sure I have some too. It's just like you get caught up in things, and you get interested in different different genres. Like I totally understand mm-hmm. it. All right, it's email time, Jay. Oh yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, for your top fives, 
send them to the mail at classicgamingpodcast.com. Yes, please do so. Okay, email. Oops, I guess I need to pull up my emails. Um, I will take on the first one, and I'll be pull, I'll be loading up the Google Doc for you as I do that. So you okay. can take on the if second If you can send one. me the link when you have a second, that'd be great. Yeah. All right, first one <clears throat> is from Andrew. Andrew says, hello, hello, hello. Sorry for the exuberance, but it has been a year or so since my last email. I tend to be wow. good about following through on intentions this time of year. Typical, I know. Then I forget how wondrous a group of two scalawags y'all are the rest of the year. <laughs> if you didn't read this sentence with the proper inferred accents, would you mind rereading quickly? Thanks. As a pirate? Is that what we're going I for think here? so. No, I'm not doing it. Um, I shall strive to be more consistent in my emailing heretofore to ensure the travesty, which was you both questioning who this new emailer is, doesn't continue to happen. I swear I've written in like four times in the past four years since I began listening to you guys faithfully. Well, hey, we still appreciate it, Andrew. I was going to say, we still appreciate it, but when we don't have a consistency to it, you know, it gets a little lost. <laughs> right. I must also say your podcast trumps still a usable term after all the controversy, all <laughs> others. I may be in the middle of an episode from one of my other favorite podcasts. I see the notification descend from the heavens that your new episode dropped and I quickly switch over to it. Hell yeah, Andrew. That's what Thank I like you. to hear. See, now we'll remember you. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> anyway, enough daily dallying and enough parentheses. Jeez, that must make it difficult for you guys to read on the air. Robert, all caps, exclamation point. I love that you continuously burst our collective eardrums every episode opener. <laughs> I know, right? He gets me every time. Even though I brace for it, he still gets me. <clears throat> Please don't ever change. I am also very excited that you are going to play a game I have previously chastised you all for being so down on. Final Fantasy VIII. <laughs> oh, perfect. I am currently... Ro uh, I, almost, I, thought he, I thought it said I'm currently <clears throat> role-playing the game. I'm currently replaying the game in its remastered version. The small graphics improvement does make it a bit easier to redo. While playing, I'm being reminded of the reason I love this game so much. I, I love this game so much back in my angsty days. Yes, plenty of angst, but also the twist in the plot is actually much more sensible than I thought after hearing <laughs> and going along with years of critique. It's a very involved storyline <clears throat> that ties up nicely by the end. It just takes extensive, drawn-out focus. Also... The Junction system offers a very strategy-heavy option to the genre that is there in other ways in other titles. I did like the Junction system. I do remember enjoying that piece of it. Okay, good. <clears throat> I love the process of gaining skills by Junction and improving stats and magic that way. Some complained that it didn't make sense, but I now think it's one of the strongest skill improvement systems of any I've used. Wow. Wow. Or I'm dumb. Shut up. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think the materia system in Final Fantasy VII is like this most the most amazing system ever. It's fun and it's exciting, but I don't think it's like thought provoking or strategy provoking. I, I so I understand what he's trying to. No, get you at. think the Sphere Grid is the most amazing system ever? I really do enjoy the Sphere Grid. I really do. My For only my only request, to Robert, is this: go into it with an open mind. There's an entire world of us who feel it's one of, if not the strongest of the franchise. Wow. Well, yes, I, I am going into it with an open mind. I don't think I'm going to like it because I, I have, based on what Jay and Blake have said in the past, it does sound bad. But I, I'm, as I said a minute ago, uh, I am sort of 
oddly excited to play it. So, cause I really do want to experience it for myself. So, uh, I, I'm definitely gonna, uh, whenever I'm good at saying, okay, I'm going to, I'm, I want to like this game. I'm going to try to appreciate it. You know, the things that, that are good about it and not just, even though I don't think I'm going to like it, I'm pretty good about separating that from my actual playing it and trying to approach it objectively. So we'll see how it goes. Now that I've written extensively on the pangs of adulthood, I would like to shift your attention to some top fives. I kind of want to catch up on a couple of old ones. So bear with me as we track back in time. Top five games you wish you liked more. Five, MMOs in general. I've always attempted to get into the latest MMO. WoW, Star Wars, FF Online, Destiny, all shit. Just kidding. Just can't play for more than the first 10 to 20 leveling cycles. Number four, Final Fantasy X. Ooh. Oh, Jay, I think this is a weak game. Wow. There, I said it. I'm so sorry, Jay. No, by all means. Have your own opinion. Just know that's wrong. I just wish you apologized <laughs> to me also. Uh, I really want to like it, but there are so many cringeworthy moments and a, and a skills system I, for whatever reason, found inconclusive and boring. I wish <laughs> I liked it. What's wrong with me? No psychologist can tell. Uh, three, Looks like animals, poor good. <laughs> the Elder Scrolls Four Oblivion. I love this series and loved this and and loved this game, but couldn't get through it far enough to finish. In fact, I began to get very worn out as soon as I entered the portals into Oblivion. I think it was a strong. Wow. I think it was a strong game, more or less. I actually built my first gaming computer for this game. A lot of anticipation. A lot of people did. It had a. Lo- it had like some crazy high requirements. I remember Mar. Out. I remember Morrowind had huge requirements. So I'm not surprised that this also. Oblivion did. was like it was my computer at the time. I couldn't even play it. Uh-huh. I had a pretty decent computer. A lot of anticipation <laughs> led up to me playing for probably a hundred plus hours, just making my character better, but I couldn't finish. <laughs> Two Tetris. Everyone loves this game. I never got into it. I played it as a kid and was apparently too daft to enjoy the musical brilliance that should have compelled me to continue onward. I got bored with it and never enjoyed Tetris games after that. I'm with you on that one, Andrew. Although I do appreciate the music. And one, Adventure... He said he wrote Adventure and other text adventure games. Does he mean Adventure Games or is Adventure the name of a game? Oh, I think I think he's talking about the game Adventure. It's like a classic uh, oh, okay. Atari. Uh, yeah, yeah. He mentions Commodore sixty four here in a second. I want to be a true classic gamer. I played Zork when I was very young and loved it. I don't think I finished, but it was all I had. We got our grandparents' outdated Commodore sixty four and had several text based games and a couple arcade titles. I enjoyed the text games more until I tried their newer Apple II with color graphics, LucasArts masterpieces of old, high def sound cards, etc. I wish I could sit down and really let myself enjoy some of the oldies, but I get bored too quickly. I'm just your ev- your average everyday shamwell. <laughs> okay. Uh, on to another uh, old top five that grabbed my attention because it was so applicable. Top five games our parents didn't let us play. These were dangerous Ooh. times. Five Mario Brothers. Our first console was the NES with what? Mario and Duck Hunt. Booyah, I was five. My, uh, my, wait, he wrote boo period yah period. So I don't mean, I don't, I don't know if he's saying boo and then yeah or booyah. But anyway, my siblings were 
eight and three. We play the shit out of it and beat the shit out of each other in the process, arguing over whose turn it was, getting pissed during co-op. Oh yeah. Screaming at the little cheat who stood too close to the TV with a gun, many tears and yelling. My parents didn't enjoy that as much as we thought and took away the NES. We didn't get a game system again until we could afford to buy one on our own. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that must have been bad. Uh, for MechWarrior 3, I played this for a couple days before my parents found the box and, and read the descriptors Destruction and Devastate and Knock Them Down and took it away. Wow, that's strict. Too much violence. I secretly reinstalled this game and played it when my parents were at work. <laughs> Uh, three Street Fighter Alpha, one thing Chun Li. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I was wondering. My mom saw her and was like, "Is she naked under that shirt?" That what? That doesn't even make sense. That I okay. Wait, anyway, that was the end of that. Except when we went to our grandparents and played it, full Chun Li viewage allowed there. I personally liked Cammy better though. Yeah, I was about to say it's a good thing she didn't see Cammy. You would have been banned for video it's games no forever. Uh, two, Driver. We had this on PC and the speakers were very blaring, even at a low volume. Especially when the poorly balanced voice, with, with the poorly balanced voice acting. There were a couple language drops like hell and damn and my mom pulled the cord, literally. Another game which required covert play while parents were away until they deemed us old enough to handle hearing a little language anyway. Number one, the curse of monkey Island. If it's not apparent already, my parents were not keen on much stuff, sex, violence, language, and sorcery. Sorcery is what took this one off the table. This was specifically banned from our house. No matter our age, it had to be the most cunning and sneaky to play through this title. It remains my favorite game of all time. And nowadays my mom is also a fan. Some stories have happy endings. I love how every single one of these games he snuck and played anyways. Right? I mean, you got to. In my parents' defense, well, we still got a, couple, a little bit more to go. In my parents' defense, they've now lightened up a lot. My youngest bro, still living at home, I have seven siblings, is allowed wow. to watch Game of Thrones. Wow. Holy shit. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, that's a... That's a 180 right there. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm going to go through these last ones a little bit faster because uh, we got a, well, we don't have a lot more emails, but we got a couple more and uh, I just want to um, get on to, uh, to the other ones. But uh, let's see. So, all right. Top five to play in 2020. Final Fantasy VII. This is the year. I must finish this game oh, yeah. that I have never finished. Number four, Broken Sword, Shadow of the Templars. I have attempted this game in the past and hope I can devote the time to complete it this year. Uh, Andrew, I'm going to tell you, in my opinion, this game is uh, vastly overrated. And uh, and it's also pretty damn long. Number three, The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. The remake, but I hear it stays very true to the original classic, not classic. It does. Yeah. Number two, Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy's Kong Quest. I haven't, re- I haven't replayed this game for probably 20 years and need to hit it again. I played the original countless times. This one was more difficult and more fun. Uh, I only played once on Game Boy Color. Got it on Switch if it's... Uh, Got to get it on Switch if it's available. Number one, Elder Scrolls Three Morrowind. This is a relic and an undertaking. I don't think I'll complete the game, but I want to get into the more meticulous potion-making magic designing side. Mm. The combat sucks, but I remember the love I had for the endless potential in alchemy. And finally, to the current day top five, games that were bad additions to a franchise. He's He says make that top three. He's got three. 
Number three, Star Wars Jedi Knight 2 Jedi Academy. Uh, Wow, I'm surprised to see this one on here. I've seen mixed reviews on that. Some people really like it. Like, people are big fans of it, and other people just, like, absolutely bash on it. I think the reviews overall are pretty uh, hit or miss, too. I would have to um, go back and see, because I don't... All I remember is that the it had it had really good lightsaber combat and also that uh, that I really liked it at the time, but I don't remember just about anything else from the gameplay, so I can't make a fair assessment. All that I know is that when it came out, I did really like it. Uh, it had a good online multiplayer at the time as well. He says this game followed up the Dark Forces franchise with advanced lightsaber combat, more interactive force powers, a customizable character, and lots of missions you could choose from, making it non-linear to an extent. The non-linear aspect is kind of what ruined it. The story they attempted to convey was weak, especially when compared compared with Dark Forces 2 Jedi Knight. The game, in turn, just came across uh, kind of awkward overall and quickly lost its appeal before I made it halfway through. Number two, Roller Coaster Tycoon 3DS. Uh, sorry, 3D for DS. Why? Oh. This was an awkward. This was just an awkward time in the industry as previously 2D masterpieces attempted to maintain uh, relevance by adhering to the masses with some weird amalgamation of their product rendered in 3D. This game just made their already very involved concept that was really enjoyable into a nightmare of complicated controls. Yeah, that does sound a little bit rough. And number one, Escape from Monkey Island. So I think this game gets a bad rap, but it was but it was the poorest entry to the franchise. I actually think the puzzles and story were good. The con- the control scheme is what made it all unbearable. The final boss battle was super weird and I thought could have been made better. I don't think the series needs to divert from the norm as much as this installment attempted. There were genuinely fun aspects, but they tried too hard to cross into 3D territory, making for a frustrating, awkward, frustratingly awkward experience. Uh, yeah, I agree with all that, except I also don't think the puzzles were, were good even on top of this. But anyway... Uh, he says, finally done. I ended up leaving out several other comments I'd been compiling over the past year because the email was twice as long. Uh, as I said, I'll try to keep up more writing with the emailing. Hope y'all's most wildest dreams come true this year. Oh, thanks. Sincerely, Andrew. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, Andrew. Thank you very much once again. And uh, and yeah, write in, write in some more. All right. We got one from Sven here. <coughs> Can you send me a link when you have a sec? Yeah, I'm gonna. Let's see. Oh, okay, I right. thought you were just pasting the email. Uh, uh, Sven says, it's oh, weird. Uh, Sven says, recently I discovered something I'd like to share with you via this email, and of course, I'd like to hear your opinion on it. The other day, I realized, at least for me, relatively minor flaws, like one aspect that wasn't done well, can actually ruin the whole experience of playing a game, and as a result, make me, in fact, stop playing this game at all. I have a couple examples. For instance, I recently bought Metal Gear Solid 5 Ground Zeroes for PC, wanting to find out if I'd like it so I would know whether I should buy Phantom Paint, the actual Metal Gear Solid 5. So I launched Ground Zeroes and wanted to configure configure the controls, mapping the keys as I hate playing a shooter with a gamepad. Unfortunately, I had to find out that there are several keys that can't be used uh, as controls for the game. Having played many shooters in my life, I have specific setup that I got used to, Right control is jump, keypad zero is duck, and so on. My motor skills very much depend on me having this exact setup, which was not possible in Metal Gear Solid 5. The thing that annoyed me the most was the fact that there was no apparent reason for the programmers to have implemented it this way. It is not the case that those keys could, could not be mapped or used for other functions. 
nor were they all the same kind of keys. So it was not, for example, all the keys in the numpad that couldn't be used. It appears to be totally random. So someone must have actually deliberately programmed it that way. Why, you ask? Hell if I know. Um, I tried to play the game with another setup, but constantly pressed the wrong buttons, even after two to three hours of playing. I was so annoyed by the fact that this was an issue that shouldn't appear in any modern game and can only have been the result of a we-don't-give-an-actual-fuck attitude on the part of the uh, programmers. A second example comes from the recent PC version of Halo Reach. This game looks very good. The story and gameplay are both very well done, and it encapsulates the old Halo feeling perfectly, if it wasn't for the sound. Everything that should be loud, like gunshots, explosions, etc., are very quiet. Very quiet. Your own guns are so quiet that sometimes you don't hear them at all <laughs> when the music picks up, and explosions from grenades sound like a fly, like a fly farting, a very small and frail fly. So, and unimportant as this may sound, it was the reason I couldn't enjoy the game and stop playing it. I couldn't immerse myself in it, and it didn't feel as if I was in a huge battle between humans and aliens taking part in it as a powerful soldier. A third example uh, I've already mentioned in one of my older emails, it is the fact that in Earthbound, you don't see your party members in a battle. So if one of your guys does something, hitting an enemy, casting a spell, etc., you don't see them doing it. Again, a very small detail in an otherwise great game, but I still dislike that so much that I stopped playing Earthbound. In Lisa, which is very similar to Earthbound in a lot of ways, they changed that. You see your party members do stuff, and as a result, I played and beat the game and enjoyed it very much. I'm not sure if that was all just be I'm not sure if all of that is just because I'm very picky or because I've been playing video games for over 30 years now and have just so many great games in my memory that a new game has has to compete with them if it doesn't hold up even only because of very small issue I somehow can't continue playing. Have you ever experienced something like that yourself or am I just weird? Um I I feel like I've had similar sentiments but I can't think of any examples. But I I generally know what you mean if there's like some so it it uh, you consider them minor, but sometimes they're like minor things that are consistently throughout the entire game that could turn me off of a game entirely. So I, I generally know what you mean. I just can't think of any specific examples. I was trying to, th- I was kind of giving this some thought as you were reading this, and I, I don't think I'm this way. I, I really don't th- think that I have had any situations where you know a you know like kind of <laughs> one relatively minor detail about a game turn me off of the whole thing yeah i think usually i'm kind of the opposite like i'll I'll give it a chance like if there's one or two things bothering me about it maybe even more if there's there's if there's other stuff you know if i'm enjoying it overall it's really hard for you know smaller things to kind Mm -hmm. of ruin it for me i can understand that i i think i might might be a little bit pickier than you are in that regard uh sven goes on to say i'll probably follow up this already long email with another one in which I list my top five bad games and otherwise good game series. Take care. Witch from Blair, Sven. Thanks, Sven. Thank you, Sven. Um, ah, next one is from Sven. He says, Hi again. So originally I wanted to contribute to this episode's top five list, but I couldn't really think of many classic game series where one installment stands out as being exceptionally bad. Uh, I can actually only think of the second part of the Deus Ex series titled Invisible War with the original Deus Ex being one of the most influential and immersive games of all time. And the two latest games, Mankind Divided and Human Revolution, continuing that legacy. The second part is known for being a patched up, mediocre and uninspired black sheep. Bland story, idiotic characters. Just compare the box arts of the four games that tells you all you need to know, really. 
So I just thought I'd do something else, some kind of feedback that tells you a bit more about what I personally find particularly funny about your podcast. Oh, I like where this is going. Here's my <laughs> top five hilarious idiosyncrasies hilarious idiosyncrasies of the CGP. I don't know why I had such a problem getting that out. Number Certain five, words have the same struggle, so. Yeah. Number five, the Sega Mega Genesis Drive. Oh, the Mega Sega Sackback. <laughs> I'm not sure if you remember, see number two on my list, but it took all of you more than 100 episodes to finally come to grips with it. <laughs> this miraculous, miraculous naming of the Sega consoles. Before episode 104 or so, when Rob actually looked it up, none of you was ever really sure about what the Sega Mega Drive could be. Was it the predecessor of the Genesis? Was it its successor? Was it a cheap ripoff? Was it a Chinese scam? Who was to know? And then naturally, about two episodes after actually getting it right for the first time, you again were not sure. <laughs> got confused by this complicated like situation once more. Holy shit. Um, I believe... Okay, I think I've got it now. The there's So what I get confused between is the Mega Drive and the... The Sega Mega Drive and the Sega Master System. One of them is just the Genesis, but it's what they what the Genesis was called in the UK. One of them is Sega's console that came out before the Genesis. I'm pretty certain now, I think I've got this down, that the Mega Drive was was the UK version of the Sega Genesis, and the Sega Master System was the one that came out, was the predecessor. Uh, all right, number four. An RTS. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what we were talking about earlier. Yeah, who doesn't like a decent RTS once in a while? <laughs> like Heroes of Might and Magic, Civilization, Final Fantasy Tactics, Doom, Monkey Island. <laughs> all these games sound great. Sorry, you're saying these aren't RTS at all? Well, in Jay's world, they are. <laughs> there are more obvious RTSs like StarCraft or Warhammer 40K, but there are numerous episodes where Jay called games like the ones mentioned above RTS. While that in itself got funnier with every time, seeing uh, seeming like some rare kind of Tourette syndrome <laughs> was even more ridiculous where several occasions where Jay tried to argue his case, saying, for instance, that Heroes of Might and Magic was, quote, Kind of an RTS. Oh, God. I, I think I vaguely remember that. I love it. I get to see you. Well, kind of. Kinda. All right. Number three, The Fucking Magician. I don't know what this is, but I'm interested to hear. Is it The Fucking Magician or The Fucking Magician? I don't remember this. I don't either. Well, you knew this was coming, I suppose. The episode that won me over and made me listen to the CGP chronologically two times already was in fact, oh, I think I know, was in fact episode number nine, or to be more precise, Rob's well-known rant about Kingdom Hearts. Oh, yeah. I do remember the fucking magician now. The best, I'll never forget that. <laughs> the best moment of the review was when Jay tried to stop Rob and said, I think we get it, but Rob yelled back at him, no, you don't get it yet. <laughs> I, I do remember that, actually. So you've heard this numerous times before, but let me tell you once more that this is actually what the listeners would like to hear more often. One of you ranting about a game and really getting pissed off by it. Wait for number one to find another example. So I'm not saying this should be like the theme of your show or anything like that, but there is no doubt that all of your listeners would appreciate something like Kingdom Hearts rant, yet only if it's honest, of course. 
While I like the angry video game nerd and similar things, that's not what the CGP is all about, as, as it is also very enjoyable to hear you talk about games that you love. Number two, dementia. There's no better term to describe, to describe a phenomenon that can be witnessed in many of your episodes. I'm talking about, oops, I'm talking about the fact that in between episodes, sections of Jay's and Blake's brains often seem to get formatted so they cannot go, so they cannot for the life of them remember what they have been talking about in the previous episode, usually about two to four weeks ago. For instance, Jay played Heroes of Might and Magic 2 for the podcast and then went on to play Heroes of Might and Magic 3 and 4 in the next two episodes. When being asked which game he liked best, he said he had to <laughs> He said that he would have to try Heroes of Might and Magic 2 at one point just to give it a shot. And see, this is a quote that you quote had to try Heroes of Might and Magic 2 at some point just to give it a shot and see what it's like because he had heard much praise about it. <laughs> Interesting. I wonder what I was actually talking about. Uh, when Rob reminded Jay of the fact that he had played it two episodes before, Jay had to look it up and still was not sure if he had really played Hom 2. <laughs> That's hilarious. I vaguely remember that now. I don't remember this at all, actually. Oh, which my is gosh. The... <laughs> which is fitting, I suppose. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, the example that takes the cake, ooh, I want I'm interested in this. The example that takes the cake, however, comes from the episode where Blake started talking about Mega Man 2 as he was at this time playing through all the Mega Man games chronologically. So as I said, he had started sharing his experience of Mega Man 2, monologuing on it for a couple of minutes. All that went, all of that went on without any one of you three noticing he had done the exact same thing the episode before. <laughs> I'm not joking. Blake actually used almost the exact same words to describe his playthrough, the problems he ran into, what annoyed him, etc. It was not until several minutes had passed that Rob interrupted Blake, hesitantly wondering if he, Blake, hadn't talked about uh, Mega Man 2 already. Blake naturally couldn't remember a thing about it, so you had to check some kind of list to find out that that was actually true. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh man, these are good, Sven. Uh, last one, number one, Shenmue. Oh. A whole lot of people. Uh, I don't, I don't understand the subtitle there, but maybe we'll get it. Uh, yeah, okay. I was thinking about this when you talked about me ranting on Kingdom Hearts. I was like, I feel like I maybe did that one other time, and then I remembered Shenmue. Uh, Sven says the episode in which Rob talked about his Shenmue playthrough is, in my mind, the best episode of them all. Wow. Wow. I had heard of the game, but had never actually played it. That happened after having that happened after having listened to the episode. Of course, I had to see for myself, and had also never heard any voice acting from the game. So it goes without saying that the moment I heard the protagonist actually speaking to some girl and trying to find quote some Chinese people, <laughs> I was on oh, my God. knees laughing. <laughs> that was so hilarious. Rob ranting about the game, the game itself being so absolutely weird, the voice and vacant expression of the protagonist, and SNES Drunk also sharing his own experience. Uh, actually, this was Gaming Jay that was on that episode. Uh, also sharing his own experience of an old man in the game saying he, quote, used to be Chinese. <laughs> it just never got any better. So thank so you. <laughs> so thank you all of you for creating these and numerous other funny and enjoyable moments in your podcast. Last but not least, 
I'd like to recommend a series of classic gaming related videos by Dorkly Bits from College Humor Originals. And he's got a couple links for us to check out. Take care. Don't stare. Sven. Wow. Thank you, Sven. That was actually really uh, fun to go to go back. Yeah, and that was. Things. All right. Um, I'll do this one and then I'll let you wrap it up with the last one. Okay. Uh, this because this next one's really short. This is from uh, SNES Drunk. Speaking of which, he says, uh, "Hey guys, I'll keep it short and sweet in reference to the top five bad games in franchises you love. Number five, Pac-Man for Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Uh, okay, I can see that. Yeah, I was probably four or five years old when I played this, and even then, I could tell back, and even and even I could tell back then that this wasn't the real Pac-Man. Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of a rough one." Number four, Contra Legacy of War. It manages to take simple Contra controls and make them a convoluted mess. Three, Castlevania 64. I was so excited to play this when it came out, and the first few moments were awesome at the time, but it is work to try to play through. By the way, uh, Alex, I, I have to say that I love your listing convention here. He's got the number five, you know, for instance, five, Pac-Man for Atari, mm-hmm. four, Contra. But he doesn't... Use a period, or a colon, or a dash after the numbers. He's he's going with the comma method, which uh, which I have not seen. Uh, it's a rare method. Yeah, for a rare man. Two Mega Man X Seven. What even is this game? One Doom on Sega Saturn. Awful frame. I'm not I'm not familiar with this Sega Saturn port of this. Awful, he says awful frame rate, terrible controls, bad lighting effects. It does a massive disservice to one of the best and most influential games of all time. Avoid wow. this port in any way you can. That's pretty hilarious because it's not like the Sega Saturn, <laughs> you know, is like a system that should have trouble running Doom. You know, what? There's like an eight or nine year <clears throat> difference between from when Doom originally came out on PC and when the Sega Saturn came out. Like... It's not like Sega Saturn was a weak system. It should have absolutely no trouble running a game as old as this, but uh, that's pretty hilarious that it apparently does have trouble with it. All right, Jay, I'm going to let you uh, wrap us up here okay. with uh, Mr. Night Cleaner's email. Chase the Night Cleaner. Uh, Chase says, hello, gentlemen. Chase the Night Cleaner here with an email and a quick apology. Sorry for missing the last episode's email window. You all left plenty of room to write in, and I even joked about writing something on Twitter, and then the day uh, and then the day of the show completely forgot to finish, which is also kind of how I play classic JRPGs these days. These days, boom, airhorn, <laughs> airhorn, classic gaming joke. Nice. Uh, excuses are for the week, so let's just jump into it. Of all franchises I've I've witnessed rise and fall, few give me more mixed feelings than Final Fantasy and SquareSoft, now Square Enix as a whole. Like. Have you ever looked at the company with so so many valuable franchises, so many exclusive but recognizable characters and monsters, so many established and well-fleshed-out settings for, uh, who, for a decent stretch, were just killing it in terms of game design in multiple games? For the life of me, I cannot understand why Square doesn't just pull a Nintendo, double down on the systems in games that work, and then add a bit uh, with each iteration. I mean, you can give credit to a company that is willing to try new things, but Nintendo has established that so long as you have a strong stable and recognizable characters and can produce a new game that is close enough to the last one from in, uh, in terms of mechanics, these things will sell. If the company is worried about design decisions and cost, then scale back on the graphics and, and, over, and overused 
CG cutscenes. Because I think Octopath Traveler has established that you can do uh, just as much when you limit yourself and usually end up creating a game that people like more anyways. Like, why has there never been another major console Final Fantasy Tactics? Thank you, Chase. Uh, why <laughs> is the combat in Final Fantasy no longer turn-based? I know the answer to this one, but that doesn't mean I like it. Why did they stop using the orb uh, Final Fantasy X or or Materia Final Fantasy VII systems? Both of those were easy to, to use and interesting systems. Why abandon the world of Chrono Trigger after Chrono Cross? Just go back and retcon whatever aspects you didn't like from Chrono Cross because it's it's a time travel series and your first crack at it is considered to be is considered the best 16-bit JRPG of all time. Next up, hire everyone who wrote and localized. Uh, ooh, how do you say it? R- uh, Radiata Stories? I'm not familiar with it. Radiata Stories? I, I think I recognize that name. Uh, Radiata Stories for PS2. That game was genuinely funny. The main protagonist, Jack, was so very dumb in a sweet way with a great story that branched based, uh, that branched based on decisions you made. It, it uh, Radiata Story, was perhaps the closest Square has ever come to producing a Suikoden like, and almost no one. Uh, knows or talks about it. Also, why move front mission to a third-person shooter? It's an amazing series. Make it turn-based and put some effort into promoting it, and the game will sell. Don't get me wrong. Square Enix has some great new games, but they also have piles and piles of shitty games released in the last few decades. Also, is it just me? This is just me and my taste talking, but there are huge communities online that like that love a stable uh, that love a big stable of past Square Enix games that would love to see new entries in those. I understand making games is hard, but when you have a killer recipe for a game, why not use it again and just add some uh, add some garnish here and there? This is literally Nintendo's business model, and they can still afford to do hardware and software. Sometimes watching Square Enix do business is kind of like watching Blizzard self destruct under Activision. Wow, we talked about this extensively. <laughs> uh, it's hard and sad to watch, and you feel like there are so many things they could do, and they don't even do one of those things you thought was a good idea, but instead you get to watch them run in the opposite direction as fast as they can. And that is it for Negative Chase, the Night Cleaner. Now, for the question of the day, can you think of another game company outside of Nintendo that has consistently produced similar or like products to what made them initially famous and endured as time and gaming changes? Um. Wow. I really don't think there are any now. Uh, the cl- the closest, and this is with many caveats for what will be obvious reasons, but the closest that I can think as far as uh, games that are, as far as f- companies that are still around now. Yeah, that's the Would be part. maybe, maybe EA in a way, because they're still, they still, they do a lot of shit that sucks, but they also are still kind of like the game for sport, the, the company that makes sports games, for instance. Um, even though a lot of them, I know there are a lot of problems with a lot of them, but that's kind of what that was their thing. And that sort of still is their thing. Um, did you say, so he doesn't want to include, I mean, I think square. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. The square is the, the closest thing that I could think of. Maybe um and you know up until they, the studio was kind of closed. Uh, Lucas Arts was was fairly consistent. I, hmm. Was very consistent, I'd say, especially as far as I mean, really in just about everything. But you know, especially their their point and clicks. But yeah, I just don't think yeah. There's nothing like Nintendo. 
It's true, especially right now. They're on fire. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chase goes on to say, a few that come to mind for me are Atlas, now owned by Sega, but a great JRPG maker. Capcom, still making fighters, Monster Hunters, and Resident Evils, and still pretty decent at it. And Bandai, the thriving publisher behind most of the Tales of series, and also half the game Banpresto, or excuse me, half of the game company Banpresto, which makes the incredible Super Robot War games that, uh, Super Robot War games and has since the Super Nintendo. And that's it for me, gentlemen. I hope you both are doing well as always, and I thank you for this wonderful section of the show and all that you do. Cheers and talk again soon, Chase the Night Cleaner. Chase, Chase. Chase, Chase. Thanks, Chase. Chase, Chase. Thank you very much, Chase. That's going to wrap up our emails. Current gaming subcast, you got anything? Uh, No, just I've been playing a lot of that that game I talked about for the actual podcast, so that's been most of my time. Yeah, I'm very interested in in that now. Uh, I do have one to talk about briefly. So I'm still playing Final Fantasy XIV, of course. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's going great. Uh, I just bought a house, or I just bought like an apartment. Finally had, I finally got enough money to do that. Oh, and I one cool thing, I joined a. Uh, it, they're called free companies. It's basically like a guild, but it's it's yep. not. It's it's more kind of social based than 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 fighting based. Uh, it's just kind of like to have a group of people just kind of like chat with in game while you're playing, or you can go to the free free company house and kind of like uh, just like hang out or, you know, check out the house or you can actually, there's a chest there where if you have extra stuff that you don't need, you can kind of donate it to the chest. So other people who might need it can come take it. And, uh, that's, that's really cool because I joined a really good one and there's a lot of fun people in there who are always really active and talking and stuff. And so that's just kind of fun. And one cool thing that they do also is, uh, they do a lottery. They do like their own, like self-made lottery every uh, like twice a month, I think. And so the goal is to, they're trying to get enough gill to buy a mansion for the free company. Okay. And, uh, but it's like crazy expensive. So what they're doing is it's, it's something like, uh, I want to say I could be off on this. 50 raffle. No, 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 no. Well, I'm talking about the, the, the amount for the um, mansion. The mansion is like three hundred million. I want to say something like that. And uh, so, even for like a big group, that's a whole lot of money. So, what they're doing to try to make enough money to do that is they're they're running off a lottery where everybody, when they're doing it, you send in ten thousand of your own gill, and then everybody who does it is put into the raffle and you send in a number and it's whoever gets closest to the number without going over. It was like zero to nine ninety nine, And then they take 20% of that. And then whoever is the winner gets the rest of the 80% of that. Okay. So you get a shitload of money. The last person who won it. So 10,000 is a like, so it's not nothing, but it's not a huge amount, but it's, it's kind of, you know, it's fairly substantial. Uh, I, the apartment that I just bought, for instance, was 300000 So, okay. And it took a while to get that much when you take into account all the other things that you have to spend money on. So, like, it took me a couple months to get that much. So just to kind of give you a, a sense of scale. The person who won it on the last drawing that they did, they got $4 million from that. Wow. So, uh, so it's pretty substantial. So, th- so they just do fun things like that. So that's just... I, I was already liking the game, but joining the free company has made it uh, even more fun. Cool. But uh, so that's going really well. 
But also, uh, real quick, I want to talk about Xenoblade Chronicles X, which I uh, got for Wii U. And I actually got this for Christmas. I just hadn't had a chance to talk about it yet because a lot of our episodes have been super long. But uh, I was really liking this game at first. <laughs> and then I was noticing problems here and there. And then I was noticing more and more problems. And I was like, you know, this game has a lot of problems, but I'm still enjoying it. And <laughs> then six or seven hours into the game, they it's just kind of like the house came crashing down. And it was became more than I could handle. Um, and I just don't, I just can't play anymore. There is way too much to learn. So this is, you know, obviously in the Xenoblade series, there's Xenoblade, uh, I guess there's Chronicles, I think is the first one. Then there's Xenoblade Chronicles 2 and Xenoblade Chronicles X, which is this one is not linear. Like those others are, I haven't played those others, but my understanding is that those are very linear. And with this one, they were tr- they were going for more of an open world and trying to kind of make it very MMO-like. Uh, and there are way too many systems, first off, that they dump on you very early in the game. So it's just impossible to keep up with everything. Like, and remember all the things that you can do, that you need to do, that you should do. And it's also impossible to tell, like, you know, what's safe for me to ignore right now? Or what do I really need to focus on? There's just no sense of what's important. Um, But it also like has these tutorials on how to do this and that and this and that, but it doesn't, it doesn't tell you that you also have to basically have to read the in-game manual to understand how to play the fucking game. I was getting just destroyed in combat and I could not figure out how, why, but just think everything was killing me. And, uh, I looked it up and everybody was like, yeah, you have to read the manual in game. And so, <laughs> so you like go through the menu system and find the manual and I don't know how long it is, but I read, you know, a good portion of it and still had a lot to go. And that tells you very like crucial information on things that you need to do in combat to, and, and, and not just combat, but other parts of the game that you just wouldn't have known otherwise without reading this. And there's no, nothing to indicate, Hey, you need to go read this manual either. So that was kind of weird. Uh, then the combat's pretty good, even though it's got kind of some weird stuff that shoehorned in. Like you, you're like sometimes one of your party members will yell out, "Oh, do this move or that move," and uh, if you do it, or or they say like, "Hey, move in close," and that means you have to use a certain type of ability, or you don't have to, but if you do, then along with just doing the ability, it also heals you. Which to me feels like a really shoehorned way of forcing you to like, quote, you know, they're not like making the strategy work extra well. They're just saying like, oh, do what your friends say and you get some extra health for it. So that's kind of awkward. But that was why I was getting killed so much because I didn't realize that if you do these things, you get you get HP for it. And then also I got very confused on what to do because it's very open world, as I said. And I got to one point where I was like, all right, to do the next story mission, you need to explore something like 15% of this of this surrounding area. Okay? So I'm running okay. around, and you're and this is a Wii U game, as I said. So you can look down at the Wii U controller. The screen there has a map of the area. So I'm running around like, okay, I'll just explore. I'm running around from one zone to the next, just out, you know, find the occasional monster. And like nothing's happening. It shows me the percentage that's explored and it's not rising at all. So like, all right, let me look this up too. see what that means. Apparently. So there's tons of symbols on different areas of the map. 
And to count a place as explored, you have to do the mission for that area. Apparently every area has some sort of mission, whether it's just find a treasure here or actually do a little quest or I don't know. There's one or two other things. So you have to first off know what these symbols mean, then run around basically blindly in, in, in the vicinity of this area to figure out like, Oh, if there's a chest here, I need to find it. If there's a quest here, I need to see, Oh, is this person here? If there, is there somebody here that's going to assign the quest or is there somebody somewhere else? And this is just where the quest ends. And so it's just like really a strange way of saying, of, of considering a place as explored. And then pl- plenty of them, I still couldn't, even after wander, wandering around trying to find it, I still couldn't figure out what I was supposed to do. I couldn't find the thing that I was supposed to do in that area. So I just never got far enough. The battle, the combat started to get old after a little while. And uh, I just really fell off of it. Also, I will say that... um. This game has the worst soundtrack I think I've ever heard in a video game. Wow. <laughs> it's like, it tries to make it way too kind of epic sounding when you're just running around doing nothing. <laughs> and then it's also super loud. And it is so loud that some, that if there are characters, sometimes there are cutscenes and the music is still going and it's difficult to hear the characters talking because the music is so fucking loud. And there's nothing that you can do about it. This is during a cutscene. The background music is still blaring and you can't hear what the characters are saying. And the when you're like back at your base, like just to give you an idea of how bad the soundtrack is, this is this is basically this this is basically the song that goes on the whole time you're back at your base. You ready for this? This is how it goes. Okay. Uh yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. What in the world? Uh-huh. Oh. It's just that over and over again. It is so bad. It is I was literally thinking about I was like, I don't remember ever really hearing a soundtrack that I hate listening to in a video game. But this one does it. Uh yeah, I just couldn't get into this game. Um Oh, I saw there's also it's so funny, when you first start the game. They're like, like you were woken up in some cryopod or something like that. And of, of course you don't remember who you are, but these people find you and they're trying to get you to like join them and help fight and, you know, fight for them and all this stuff. And they, they keep emphasizing, you know, you can join their, I forgot what it's called. You can join like the, the art, we'll just call it the army. You can join, but it's up to you. We're, we're not going to force you. It, it's a hundred percent your decision, whether you want to join or not. You know, it's, if you want to do this, you need to be the one to make the call it's we just keep and they keep she keeps saying it's like i want to emphasize this is your decision to make i was like you know i'm like i get it okay so it comes to time where they're like do you want to join us and so i say no to see what happens and the guy says quit joking around and then i say no again he goes quit joking around oh god (laughs) it just locks you into that forced dialogue yeah until you say yes which wouldn't have been so bad if they hadn't made such a fucking huge deal about whether it's your choice to join or not. Yeah. Like why? Like why even do that? And then there's one more really funny thing that I, that I, I, one part that I felt was really funny about it. So about four, well, maybe not that much, maybe like three hours into the game. Of course, like tutorials are still going on left and right. 
And by this point, you've been out, you've done exploring, you've, you've, you've killed plenty of monsters, you know, just like random, like it's again, MMO style, just like random mobs around the world. You've just been killing them for XP and stuff. You're back at your base at one point. And this girl who's kind of, who's in your party and she's kind of like, you know, the one who's explaining everything to you as you go along. She's saying, she's, you know, going over some other fucking kind of mission that you can do if you want or something like that. Just explaining more things. And then she's like, she gets real serious all of a sudden. And she's like, all right, there's something that there's, there's something else that we need to talk about. Um, you know, this is a, this is a serious situation. I don't want to make light of it, but it's just something that we, that we have to do. Sometimes we do have to kill uh, these creatures that, that that aren't necessarily attacking us around the base. You know, it's just to keep everybody what? safe. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? I killed like a hundred innocent little like space pigs just on the way back here. But she's making, <laughs> but she's like, you know, it's just something that we have to do. So I, you know, I don't want you to be too upset about it because you just have to remember that it is for the greater good. But it is something that we're gonna have to do. <laughs> That's where, insane. Where is this coming from? So, uh, so anyway, that yeah, Xenoblade Chronicles X. It sounds like, it sounds like it. If you can get to where you understand all of the fucking systems and how they work and everything, it can be a pretty fun game. But uh, man, I just I I really gave it. Like I said, I played it for a good seven or seven hours or or maybe even more, and um, I just was like, I just I can't deal with it. I barely even know what's going on still. So uh, I don't recommend it. Wow. All right, Jay, that's going to do it for the current gaming subcast and the classic gaming subcast. Um, you got anything you got anything to say before we before we head out? No, I think we're pretty pretty covered. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, quick reminder, our game of the quarter, which we will be discussing sometime around the end of March, is Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga. So, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so for game of the quarter, if you're new, this is one where Jay and I are both going to play it. We'll decide ahead of time and, and announce the actual date that we'll be discussing the, uh, you know, that we'll be recording the episode where, where we both discuss this one. And anybody else who wants to talk about it, uh, you're, you please feel free to play the game as well and send in an email. It's a good one. Definitely do so. Okay, good. And send in an email on that episode to tell us what you thought about it so we can do kind of a group discussion, sort of. Uh, I'm excited to play this because I really loved uh, Mario and Luigi Paper Jam. So I think this is going to, I'm, I'm going to enjoy it. Cool. Leave us amazing reviews on iTunes. Oh man, somebody <laughs> left us a one star review on iTunes. I, I, I don't want to take the time to pull it up right uh, now, but I'll try to remember to do that next time. That sucks. Yeah, whatever. Uh, tell your friends to listen to us. Uh, again, our email address, mail at classicgaming.com. Email us about whatever you want. If you want to email us your top five, that list for the next episode will be games that you've been wanting to play for the longest, but you haven't gotten around to yet. Uh, email, uh, follow us on Twitter at Class Gamescast. I am at King Octavius. Uh, check out other podcasts on the HP Video Game Podcast Network. And if that's it, Jay, then we will be back in three weeks. Bada boom, bada bang. Bada bam. Bada bam.